Wednesday, February the 3rd, 2021. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. We have a ton on the menu for you. It is the Super Bowl week, so we will be talking a, a little Super Bowl early, but our big Super Bowl show is going to be the next episode where we uh, discuss the game with a couple different uh, guests. We're going to have props, uh, everything you need to know about the uh, the game coming up this weekend. But on this episode, we've got NFL news. There was a big trade between the Rams and the Lions. We're going to talk about that. Tyler Herringer from Sarah Candles joins us. We talk a little bit about the Super Bowl. We also talk about the Sarah Candles Valentine's Day box they have going for 20 bucks right now. You can get two candles, two nice Valentine's Day candles sent to you. Promo code GINO gets you 10% off that purchase. Cindy Carava, one of our longtime sponsors, full service realtor, joins us to talk about what 2020 was like in the, the world of real estate and uh, and what it will be like moving into 2021. We hit the stable dual schedule for the week. Then I give you four races on uh, golf on Wednesday at Gulfstream Park that I look at. Gulfstream Park Thursday. I've got three best bets for Thursday. Sam Houston Thursday. Full card. I go over races one through five. Jessica Paquette joins me to talk about the late pick five at Sam Houston for Thursday. So we talk races six through ten. Then we hit a WandaVision recap. Tim Kelly joins me. We spend about 45 minutes talking all about episode four of WandaVision. And then Royal Rumble 2021 recap. Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocali join me. We spend about a half hour talking about the event over the weekend. Some positives, some negatives, what we think moving forward about Royal Rumble 2021. So we're all over the place with NFL news, with horse racing, with WandaVision, with wrestling. You name it, we've got it here on That's What. G said right now we're going to start talking some NFL with that big Rams and Lions trade. Week of the Super Bowl and uh, huge news that has nothing to do with the two teams in the Super Bowl. A massive, massive trade between the Rams and the Lions. I'm going to reference a couple articles from The Ringer, one from uh, from Kevin Clark and another from Riley McAtee, uh, talking about a lot of the specifics in this trade. So, they're calling this like maybe the biggest trade in in a decade, close to it. I, this is a, a huge, huge trade based on all the moving pieces, right? Not necessarily that it's like the best player in the NFL trading, but you have someone, Jared Goff, who the Rams already invested so much in being traded and having to trade a ton of assets to a team just to sort of take on some of his contract. Okay, the Rams send Jared Goff two first-round picks and a third-round pick to Detroit for Matthew Stafford. It, In a weird way, it feels like a win-win right now because it does feel like everybody gets what they wanted, what they, they feel like they needed at the moment. Detroit, they've got a new staff. They just want to start over, and they're able to get something back for Stafford. They get an, a young quarterback, and, you know, say what you want about Jared Goff. He's still a competent quarterback we think in the NFL can he be the guy that wins you a Super Bowl I don't know but is he is he better than just average veteran backup we'll see when he's in a system uh you know that's not Sean McVay's we're gonna find that out now soon so now you finally get Stafford who gets to come play for a very good offensive coach you get uh the Rams getting off of Jared Goff's contract and he still has a hundred million dollars left and 40 million dollars guarantee 
Um, and this article says it's basically a win-win for everyone except for Goff, who leaves Sean McVay for a rebuilding team. Although, I guess uh, if, if someone's going to be a loser and they get to keep $27 million coming up uh, in 2021, it's, it's not that bad. But, I mean, you look at this from just the Rams' perspective, right? Okay, they have a better quarterback than they did just a few days ago. No doubt about it. But how much did it cost them? The Rams are a fascinating team uh, over the last couple years because they just seem to continue to go all in and not care whatsoever about the draft. And and keep in mind, this marriage, how much of an upgrade is Stafford? I think he's a lot better than Goff, and I do think he will have an opportunity to play in some big moments and show uh, what kind of player he is. But... And, and no by, no fault of his, he hasn't won. He's been in a bad situation for a, a long time. He has been someone who gets, you know, he's getting a little bit older now. Do we have to worry about him maybe getting banged up? That's a lot to give up for someone who isn't upgrading you to top five. Like, where, where does Stafford stack? I think he probably is be, he's below the top five. He's probably below the top seven. He's probably right there in that next range. Um, but it's so hard to judge someone like him because he's never really been in a great six, uh, situation to to succeed, and this McVay offense could be just perfect for him. So the Rams get two years of Stafford with the forty three million left on his deal, twenty two million in dead cap next season. Uh, Lions will take seventeen point eight million dead cap charge, and. It, it seemed like Goff and McVay towards the, the end of the year, they just weren't getting along very well, and it doesn't didn't feel like McVay believed in Goff. His, for, for him getting banged up, it was he, he got benched, you know, as much as he got hurt at the end of the year, and they just had no other options but to go back to him. And to be fair, I think in the playoff game against Green Bay, Goff wasn't, it, he wasn't the reason why they lost. But you could tell over the last year to year and a half, McVeigh lost a lot of confidence in him. He lost a lot of faith in him, in in how their game plan was and how they approached their offensive attack. So, this article uh, from the Ringer from Kevin Clark was was talking to uh, was quoting Kevin Demoff, Rams chief uh, operating officer. So they talked to Kevin in 2019 and said that the Rams are just going to have an aggressive approach to everything. They have now traded. Seven years worth of first round picks into deals that got them Goff, Brandon Cooks, Jalen Ramsey, and now Stafford. They gave big money to Goff and Gurley. Neither one of them are on the team anymore. Two of the 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 guys that helped lead you to a Super Bowl. This I thought was a really interesting uh couple lines here. The Rams are betting against draft picks and dead cap charges being significant impediments to winning a Super Bowl. They were preparing to play the Patriots in the Super Bowl a few years ago, whose long view on almost everything made their championship window last for 20 years. The Rams tried to do something different, constantly pushing the limits of the cap every year. The only rule is that it has to work. You just got to win, even if it's one, right? If you go all in, you have to win, and then it's worth it. And even if it's just one, it's still worth it. Unless you win all in and you end up dealing a player who becomes great and goes somewhere else and wins five, you know that. But when you go all in, you have to win. Can the Rams now make up the difference between 
being a playoff team and winning a Super Bowl? Is is Stafford that difference? So they just don't care about draft picks or the salary cap uh, anymore. But but what you know this continues to uh, to point out the Rams have little margin for error. Quote one of the few teams who are aggressive, but they always feel like there's a way out of their mistakes. And so as a fan, I I like what they're doing. I know that's not a great long term view, but I feel like they're always trying. And it, it feels like, hey, they've been in some situations that were bad and they were able to get themselves out of them. The the problem is what the future may look like. Now, they're set up really well right now. Keep in mind, they've made the playoffs three out of the last four years. They've got Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. So on the defensive side of the ball, with those two players, you've got someone on the front side of the defense, on the defensive front, who's going to make noise make it very difficult for the opposing quarterback. Then you got someone on the back end who's also going to make it very difficult for the opposing quarterback and sometimes shut down one of the, the the major wide receivers. And it was great for them to get rid of the big contract like Goff. But when you look at what they have moving forward, so they dealt the first round picks in 2022, 2023, third round pick in 2021. They... We're in basically a bidding war where they had to like outbid others. And so right now, the Rams haven't had a first-round draft pick since 2016. And they will not have another first-round draft pick until 2024. Their last first-round pick was Jared Goff. So they dealt two first-rounders, two second-rounders, and two third-rounders to the Titans for the number one overall pick, which they used on Goff. Then they started doing this for veterans. They sent a second rounder to the Bills for Sammy Watkins, traded a first rounder to the Patriots for Brandon Cooks. They traded a second round pick to the Chiefs for Marcus Peters, third round pick to the Jags for Dante Fowler. All of these players were on the Super Bowl team. None of them are going to be on the team in 2021. 2019, they dealt multiple first round picks to Jacksonville for Jalen Ramsey. And now in 2021, they traded away multiple first round picks again. They are going to be in a situation where they will be going seven drafts without a top 32 pick. This is going to be one of the three longest droughts in history between teams drafting in the top 32. We just don't ever see this because this is not how you create a football team. Few stars, no highly drafted rookies. That's what they're trying to do. Can it work? We will see. They don't have a huge margin for error. They don't have a long window right now. But they do have some top-tier talent. They do have a coach who we still think is a very, very good coach and an excellent offensive mind. And now it feels like one of the weaker spots this last year for them is going to be a major upgrade. What is their depth going to be like? Um, are, are they going to be able to find some diamonds in the rough here and there to help, you know, to help fill in some of those spots? They're going to need to overachieve in some particular spots, but... We're going to see now, um, you know, how good a coach is McVay? How good a quarterback is Stafford? You put the two of them together, and are they going to be in a situation better than either one of them has ever been as a coach? Is this going to be the most talented quarterback McVay has dealt with? I mean, he's dealt with Goff. <laughs> and in, for Stafford, is this going to be the best coach that he's ever had? We would probably think so with the uh, the track record of some of the coaches he's had in Detroit. So Goff led the, the Rams to a Super Bowl, but he is... 
off to Detroit now Some of his numbers over the last couple years He just declined um, This season for pro, for pro Football Focus He was 37th out of 39 qualified passers In deep pass percentage uh, Just not good at all With balls that were traveling uh, 20 yards down the field Stafford was Like top 11 to top 12 In a lot of those deep ball Down the field uh, number like statistics So Did the Rams give up too much? Does it matter if they win the Super Bowl? Where does this put them? Love to hear some of your thoughts out there. Um, I think it upgrades them for sure. I don't think in any way, shape, or form this makes them a Super Bowl favorite. But you know, if their defense is able to stay a top five defense as they were this year, gives their offense um, a little bit more room to a little bit more room to operate. So big news, and it's not even uh, involving the the Super Bowl. While we're talking some NFL, let's head on over and touch base with one of our buddies, Tyler Herringer from Sarah Candles. We're going to talk with Tyler a little bit about the Super Bowl. We're going to talk about the Sarah Candles and a a cool Valentine's Day offer they have for you. And then there's a contest that we will be providing for folks. It's free to enter. Listen in for the details. It involves the Super Bowl. You have to predict the score, a couple other things, and just send an email. Winners will get, uh, there will be two winners selected, and you'll each get your selection of any two candles you want from Sarah Candles that'll be sent to you. So totally free to enter and a cool contest from one of our sponsors. Let's hear from Tyler as we talk Super Bowl and Sarah Candles. One of the biggest sports weeks of the year. It is the Super Bowl week coming up. We've got the Chiefs versus the Bucks. We've got Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes. And uh, we're going to get a little Super Bowl pick from our buddy Tyler Herringer from Sarah Candles, who also has the Valentine's Day box we want to talk a little bit about. And we're going to do a little Super Bowl contest with a giveaway for a couple of you out there. But I got to say, Tyler is probably on the list of like. The biggest sports fans and the most widest range of sports fans that I know. So, like, if we go through it, I know Tyler is a like some of the local Laker Dodger fan with me for sure. Tyler's in my fantasy football leagues. He's a big hockey fan. We've been talking a lot of horse racing. He plays the races there too. So, I mean, when we're bouncing around, you you're on that list of uh, of sports and uh, your wide range of sports that you're interested in as much as anyone that I know. Yeah, it's uh, it's. Uh... For better or for worse, it's quite an addiction at this point. And, you know, I don't want to harp on the terrible year that 2020 was, but, man, when sports were shut down for that period of time, oh, that, that was that was excruciatingly painful because you could pretty much count on, you know, it's it's almost sad and depressing when there's only, like, one – well, like, when it's only baseball season, even though I mm-hmm. love baseball. Me too. It's like, oh, man, it's only one sport. So when yeah. there was nothing, and then even, you know, the tracks were shut down, there was a couple that were running. I mean – it was like Gulfstream was the only one running for a while yeah. there, and there was no sports or anything. And man, it was so to get all the way to where we are now. It's one of the best sports weeks of the year, like you mentioned. And basketball's in full swing, hockey's in full swing. We got the Super Bowl coming up, and then baseball season seems to be just around the corner here. So yeah, it's a it's a good time to be a sports fan again. And 2021 seems to be a, hopefully a more optimistic year than 2020 was. It's also a good time to be a fan of candles Or if you're someone out there who is looking for a gift for Valentine's Day For one of your significant others For someone in your family Your mom, your dad, brother, sister Any one of your friends, co-workers Because a great gift, Tyler, is a candle And we talk about uh, your company, Sarah Candles Which is not just any candle You guys are different than a, a lot of the other leading candle brands Because... You want to create a candle 
That's a little bit safer That's a, like affordable And that is, is not going to give you all those toxins And those carcinogens Tell us a little bit about how Sarah Candles Is different than some of the other companies Yeah, and you, you pretty much hit on it there We, we you know, Your leading candle brands Are going to use a wax that's made out of paraffin Which is a synthetic wax Which is factory made And Includes some carcinogens and toxins that you'll find similar to gasoline in your car. So uh, our company, what we do is we use all natural soy wax. We use all natural scents with essential oils in them. We use an all natural cotton wick. And so it's just safer to burn in your house. And we do it at a price that, you know, hopefully anybody can afford. And it's something you can, if, especially when we're talking about Valentine's Day, if you're going to spend 40 to 50 bucks on flowers that are going to look pretty for you know a few minutes and then die within a few days why not spend 20 bucks it'll get you two candles in the valentine's day box and those things are each going to burn for about 25 hours so if you're talking about value and you're talking about something that is going to make that person happy a little outside the box kind of gift rather than the traditional chocolates or flowers or stuff like that and you could even pair it up with that if you like and uh, I, you know, obviously I'm, I'm biased, but I'm biased, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you're going to find any better value or a, or a better gift than uh, maybe one of those Valentine's boxes. Any of the little, the, any of the packages that you're thinking about getting, or, or if you're getting a few different things for one of your significant others, this is, this is like the perfect compliment to go along. Just like you said, if you're going to get some flowers or chocolates or anything else like that, this is something that's great because you can use it for more than just a few minutes It's not you eat it, it's gone It's it's something that you can have and use in your household For a week, you know, however long You want to burn these candles uh, You have a couple different ones And with the Valentine's box You actually have a couple different options, right? There are three different candles that you can choose from And you can mix and match any combinations of those To put in the box Correct, yeah, We on the website we offer Fresh Roses, Date Night And Tuxedo Those are the three that we kind of are you know pegged for the Valentine's Day box, but if you'd like to order a Valentine's Day box and you you know and you want to throw a different candle in there, something that you like or something that you know your significant other will like, you feel free to place the order. Shoot me an email; I'll see it right away. We can we can make accommodations for just about anything. But the suggested ones on the website are the ones that we 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 feel would pair nicely for a Valentine's Day box if you're new to candles and you kind of have no idea what you're looking for. But yeah, those are the three we would recommend. Two out of those three, you've got any combination you like. But again, like I said, if you want to put something else in there, you let us know and you get two candles for 20 bucks. And if you use the Gino promo code, you get a couple more bucks off. So yeah, I, I don't know how you're going to find a better deal out there this time of year. And you, you won't. We'll ship, and we'll ship it right to your door and it's going to be in a Valentine's Day box too. That's so what I was just going to say. You, you don't, don't have to wrap it. <laughs> no wrap. It's a little box. It's all set up perfectly for you. It's got yeah. the candle. Candles inside with the little uh, little frill there around the candles too, uh, nicely decorated, and it, it's just you will not get better for your twenty bucks. And if you're listening and, and you're in your you haven't done your Valentine's Day shopping yet, or you're you're starting to, I mean, just go right now to the website sarahcandles.com, put it in an order for the Valentine's Day box. Use that promo code GINO. It's going to get you an extra ten percent off, and. and you will not be disappointed I can promise you after you you, ha- you light a few of these You're going to be ordering more and more and more They're great scents They are and, and this is Valentine's But we had the Christmas box a couple months ago For Christmas Once hol- new holidays come up And once the different seasons of the year come up You're always experimenting with new scents Trying different things out So I'm sure with uh, you know After this with Easter and Mother's Day And Father's Day Things coming up There's always uh, a 
there's always a, a way you can you can use Sarah candles to to find gifts and to find like meaningful things for some of the people in your life. Exactly, and it it, it uh, truly can become a a bit of a slippery slope if you get into candles and you start liking them the way that that I do and the way that I know you have you've have, you've done. Uh, you can you can really start getting going with the scents. You go, okay, now we're into spring. And I've got about five or six different spring scents I'll be mm-hmm. releasing here in the next few weeks. Then we're into summer. I've already got some summer scents lined up. Uh, and then before you know, we're back into the fall. And so you, you you end up using like seven or eight different candles, depending on the kind of mood you're in or the type of season that it's in. And so, again, for that for that price, you can get one of the small candles for just 12 bucks. Or if you use your promo code, you get a couple more bucks off. So all year round, you can you can really find something that will fit the mood, fit the season, and uh, you can do it for pretty cheap too. So I, 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 you know, again, I'm biased, but I lean that way if I were you and looking for gifts and looking for stuff for people, and you'll probably end up getting hooked yourself. Let's talk about the big game coming up this week. I mean, if you're uh, on the TV networks or if you're someone covering the game or even just for like novice fans, I, this is about as good of a game as you could have with Tom Brady. And all the storylines of him leaving the Patriots, coming to a new team, the Bucks. The Bucks are playing at home. Brady's playing against the what people think is the future Brady, Mahomes, who's been incredible, and this could be back to back for them. What a juicy, juicy game for this year's Super Bowl. Yes, you you kind of hit on it all there. There's there's you know, is this the changing of the guard or is it one last stand for Brady? And there's so many things in play here. And you know. Conventional thinking, and if you look around to what most people are talking about, it seems like you know everyone's kind of got their money on the Chiefs. And what we know from the NFL is that when everybody's going one way, you got to mm-hmm. make sure to take a peek the other way. Mm-hmm. And people counted out the Bucks last week against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, and we saw what they did. And you never want to count the Chiefs out because Andy Reid is so good with him and Eric Bieniemy running that offense. Of course, Mahomes is otherworldly. But you can't, you just can't count the Bucks out. They've got that that defensive front that's been really disruptive, and now the Chiefs are losing one of their offensive guards in Eric Fisher. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes, does he have turf toe? What's going on with that? If if they can get a, make him a little uncomfortable in the pocket, I know the Bucks' pass defense isn't the greatest, but maybe there's a there's a, there's a path there where they make him a little uncomfortable in the pocket. Maybe he's not as mobile. As we didn't see him re- run it very much at all last week, yeah, Mahomes. So, you know, I my gut tells me that, that the Chiefs, you know, they seem to always find a way. But uh, the line being only three, three and a half, that tells you that maybe there's uh, there's more to this, and that that leads me to believe it's just one play. You know, when yeah. it's three points like that, it could be one play here or there. And uh, do you want to be the person who says, "Yeah, Tom Brady's going to lose this one" when he's done it time and time again? So it's it's tough. It's tough to uh, pick who's going to be a winner here, but that's what we want for the Super Bowl. Right. We want a we want a good game. We want a close game. We want something that's going to keep us attached to the TV all the way through. And uh, I'm expecting a great game. I and and I think you hit the nail on the head. Like it it depends on like, if you like one of these sides. Either way, try to get your best number. Like at three and a half, I'd go Tampa. It, you know, mm-hmm. I think it's a field goal game at three. Or if it were to two and a half, I'd probably go KC. You know, just like just from a pure betting standpoint, I think if you 
in my complete gut as of right now and Tyler and I are recording this still early in the week on Tuesday I'll do a little bit more handicapping and see how some of the money's moved around and and and, and things we find out over the next couple of days but if if you put a gun to my head and said you had to pick one I think I'd pick the bucks I do I think I I feel sort of like it's Brady and maybe a magical year for them um cuz things have just gone really right they win they have to win games on the road in three straight weeks to then get a home game in the Super Bowl it's just so it would be such a perfect story for them with Brady going there. Um, I think either way, Tyler, it's going to be a damn good story because we're either going to have Mahomes as the new guy with back-to-back Super Bowls, or it's going to be Brady went back. Uh, Brady went back now. He's the champ, and he did it for a team that was not the Patriots. So I'm just I'm really pumped as a football fan. I think it feels like you are too. Yeah, I mean it doesn't get any better than this. Like you said, no matter who wins. And it's, you know, I guess it's kind of nice, too, that, you know, obviously everybody wants their team into the Super Bowl, but it's kind of nice to be able just to kind of sit back and watch as a fan and just go, man, yes. this is going to be a tremendous game because, you know, as watching the, you know, the Lakers and the Dodgers all these years, it's, it's anxiety. I don't, yeah, yeah. like, don't want to say it's not fun watching your team in the championship because that would be obviously a little too complacent and, and, and probably rude to, you know, teams, fans that of franchises that just it, yeah. aren't good. Yeah. But man, it's gut wrenching, you know, when your team's into that final inning or the fourth quarter or stuff like that in of a game and there is a little bit of relief just being able to watch a, a super bowl like this and just know that it's just going to be or hopefully it's going to be a great game and that no matter the outcome you know you should be satisfied it's funny i said the same thing to stephanie last week or uh, a couple weeks back when the conference yeah i guess it was last week with the, the conference championships games and i said isn't it funny when i don't have nearly as much fantasy stuff weighing in or there's not one team that i'm like gonna Throw up if they don't win and she says Wow you're, yeah, you're a lot calmer today You know <laughs> this was a little different and, uh, Maybe this this year for uh, it, Maybe it'll be a little a little easier for us With the Dodgers and Lakers since we just won one Last year you know maybe we'll feel a little bit like Especially with the Dodgers I think we we As fans especially with our age we Needed to be able to just see that one happen Before now we can sort of At least take a deep breath Exactly you take the deep breath and now you Maybe yeah maybe it gives a whole different perspective On it and the the tension and the cloud hanging over is lifted. And I, I would have to imagine that, you know, uh, despite Brady being the winningest Super Bowl quarterback of all time, he probably feels a little bit of that pressure and that little bit mm-hmm. of that cloud just because now he has a chance to do it outside of the Patriots. And then, you know, he'll have the talk of the town and the sports radio talk will be saying he won the divorce and, you know, all <laughs> yeah. that kind of stuff against Belichick. So yeah, I got to imagine there's a little pressure there, but I've, even though the Chiefs were there last year, I'm sure they're feeling a little bit too because everyone's starting to, you know, if, if they don't win it this year, now they're going to say, well, was that it? Was that their one year? Was that their chance? And, you know, the, the chatter will start there. So I'm sure they're, they're, both teams are excited to be there, and I, we're definitely excited to watch. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to combine a couple things that we love We love Sarah Candles, we love football So we want to put together a contest for all of the listeners of That's What G Said podcast And it's going to be a really, really simple contest It's going to be involving the Super Bowl All you have to do is predict the score of the Super Bowl And and then there are going to be two tiebreakers that you also have to answer So the predict the, the score of the Super Bowl And then your two tiebreakers who scores the first touchdown, which player, and who is the Super Bowl MVP, which player? So the entry for all of you that want to get involved should be something like this. Uh, Chiefs 27, Bucks 24, Chris Godwin scores the first touchdown, Patrick Mahomes MVP. And what we are going to do is we, and by we, I mean Tyler with Sarah Candles, we'll be giving away two sets of candles 
to two people who are closest to predicting the score. So all you got to do, give us the score, who wins, who loses, give us the exact score, first touchdown, and the MVP. Send it to the email. That's what G said podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you write podcast out as part of it. That's what G said podcast at gmail.com. I'm going to go through all the emails and we'll stop this like right before Super Bowl Sunday, uh, maybe an hour or so before the game starts. And Tyler, you are going to give to two people. You'll send them two candles of any sense they want, any of their choices. And we're going to pick two different people to send them just to give them a, a look and a, and a smell of how good Sarah candles really are. Exactly, that'll be the uh, the smell of victory, I guess. If you're yeah, able to pick exactly. the score, and if if we don't, if nobody hits it on the head, we'll find two people that are yep. closest. We're gonna definitely give away at least two of these. Maybe we'll give away more depending on how many people uh, are you know are close or w- w- in the ballpark, I guess, so to speak, on it. But yeah, we're gonna give uh, we're gonna give some candles away and get some people a chance to uh, try them out for free. And and I, I got to imagine if once you try these things out, especially for free, you're gonna be like, okay, this is the real deal. And, and it's not going to cost you much more than free to get a refill on them. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I hope we get these out to as many people as possible and throw a little contest in while you're watching the game. So email to that's what G said podcast at gmail.com. Give us your score of the Super Bowl game. Give us the player who's going to score the first touchdown and who you think is going to be the Super Bowl MVP. I will make some posts on social media so you can just one click to send the emails. I'll post on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. So we'll be pumping this contest all throughout the week and let you know. I mean, it's completely free to enter. It doesn't cost you anything. Even if you're not a huge football fan or you don't know, you can't really get a good idea of what's going to... Ask someone to help you out All you need is a score And then two different players name One that's going to score the first touchdown One that's going to be the MVP Pretty basic, pretty simple And as Tyler said If we get a bunch more entries in here I'll make sure we even get a a couple more prizes out Because we just want to have some fun And we just want to show everyone How good these Sarah Candles really are Um, I'm also going to have some videos out on social media Going through the Sarah Candle website throughout the week We'll show you and we'll give you an in-depth look At what the Valentine's Day box looks like And we'll kind of navigate our way through the website Website with a little video so you can see some of the different scents and some of the different sizes and uh, and everything Sarah Candles has to offer. Tyler, buddy, these are some of my favorite conversations. I love catching up with you every few weeks and uh, and uh, next time we do this in a couple weeks, we'll have to start talking about uh, how the Lakers have been doing and it's going to be coming up on time for spring training soon in the Dodgers. Yeah, it's it's all coming quickly and then before you know it, we'll be into the Kentucky Derby. Oh yeah. Tyler Herringer, man, uh, always love talking with my longtime buddy Tyler. Our St. Luke's days, we go back to when we were five and six years old. Tylerina, my man, love you. Hope you have a, a good weekend, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. I appreciate you, Gino. Enjoy the games weekend. Tyler Herringer, sarahcandles.com, C-E-R-A candles.com, and when you use that promo code G-I-N-O, it'll get you 10% off your purchase. Let's take a quick break here, folks, but don't go anywhere. We'll be back with plenty more on That's What G Said. Always fun uh, touching base with one of our longtime sponsors and our good friends, Tyler Herringer there. We move from uh, one longtime sponsor to another. We're going to catch up with full-service realtor Cindy Carava. We're going to talk to Cindy all about what 2020 was like in an unprecedented year and what things look like moving forward into 2021, all the different services that she can offer you. So Cindy Carava, full-service realtor. We hang out with her for about 15 minutes, and we talk all about everything going on in the world of real estate. We are into early 2021, and can you believe it? We're actually coming up on 
year three, really, of That's What G Said. This is going to be like the third calendar year where we've been having a, a show. And from the very beginning, one of the sponsors that's been with us from from the get-go, full-service realtor Cindy Carava. I wanted to bring her on to talk a little bit about everything and how 2021 in a crazy 2021 was and what uh, in a crazy 2020 was and what 2021 will look like. So, Cindy, uh, whenever I, I bring you on, I want to I, I let the people know some of the things – that you as a full service realtor can do. So first of all, hi, happy happy 2021. Thanks for coming on with me. And uh, and second, how have you been? And and give give the folks out there a, a little bit of uh, insight. Like how crazy was was 2020 for you? Someone uh, as a realtor who deals with a lot of different people. You're moving around. You're going from home to home. I'd imagine that uh, this past year was just a completely different circumstance for you. Good morning, Gino. Yes, it was. Um, and thanks for having me on the show. Always love to help you. Um, yeah, no, 2020 definitely uh, was a crazy, uh, intense year. Um, when all this went down in the middle of March, um, actually all real estate agents in the state of California uh, were declared um, uh, not necessary. Um, um, and so for a good month to about six weeks, uh, into the middle of April, um, you know, we really couldn't even do business. You know, our, my office in Glendora shut down. Uh, nobody was going into the office. Obviously, we were uh, at, on stay-at-home orders, you know, which I definitely abided by. Um, finally, um, uh, California Association of Realtors was finally able to deem us necessary uh, workers uh, towards the end of April. Uh, so I was kind of back in, in the swing of things, but obviously with some major limitations on what we could do and what we couldn't do um, as real estate agents. Um, one of the biggest things that um, affected me um, was the fact that we cannot do public open houses anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't put a sign out in the front yard and anybody can walk in a house anymore. The meet and greet, um, that's such a big now- part of, of everything you do, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That that is where I would say ninety percent of my business comes from. Um, so definitely was you know uh, as we said you know changing how we do business. You know um, uh, that was definitely interesting. You know, but you know uh, with that said, you know obviously uh, did scheduled showings for clients uh, when I had a new listing. Uh, we did scheduled showings, so I broke them up every half hour. Um, that way, when the person and uh, their clients would leave, I would wipe down everything, kind of just new protocols on how we do business as uh, real estate agents. So it's worked out. Um, 2020 ended up being, uh, in spite of COVID, um, a really good year. I ended up being able to help 14 families either buy wow. or sell uh, homes in 2020. Um, and three of those are actually closing this month. I had one close the beginning of January. I had one close on Wednesday, which was I represented the sellers and the buyers. And I'll just do a personal side note, Gino. Um, The buyers, uh, for those of you uh, who do know me, um, I'm the other half of Jack Carava, as in Jack Carava Racing Stables. Uh, But now he is a jocks agent. And I love how both of our worlds, the horse racing industry and real estate industry, merge. My buyers were actually Tiago uh, Pereira and oh. his wife, uh, Fernanda. Um, they were first time home buyers and I got to put them into their first home. So 
that was really, really neat that, you know, Jackson, my relationship actually can merge uh, on a business relationship as well. Worlds colliding there. That is, that is so awesome. And for, you know, for people that have heard me uh, talk about you and and have heard the the promotion, the commercials that we do, when I mentioned full service realtor, like what are some of the different things? I mean, people just think, okay, realtor going to come sell my house or buy a house, but you can do a lot more than just the, the big stuff too. Yeah, exactly. So what I do when somebody calls me to say, you know, hey, Cindy, you know, I'd really like to talk to you about listing my house. Um, I make an appointment and I go to that person's house, you know, via, you know, if they're comfortable with me going, obviously I'm masking up, I'm gloving up uh, to go and, you know, do a complete, you know, look at the house. Tell me about your house. I want to make sure when I'm listing that house that I am highlighting all their favorite things about the house because, who knows better their home than the owner, you yeah. know, um, not me. So I want to hear from them, you know, what their highlights are, what celebrations they've had in this house. So I make sure I can market that house, you know, perfectly. A lot of times I will suggest uh, maybe decluttering a home, uh, bringing my stager in. Um, I have an amazing stager, Marissa, uh, who is on my team, and she will come in and, you know, make the home look like a model home. Um, I get professional photography done. Um, all of this is included when I list a home. I take care of all these charges, all these fees for my clients. Um, professional photography, everybody will tell you, it is everything. It will sell your house. Taking uh, photos off an iPhone or an iPad, no. You're, you have one thing only to make the best impression you can on selling your home and professional photography is an absolute must. It's just funny. So, it's just something that I learned, you know, like it's with like with headshots, right? Like when you're in yeah. the industry, if you you want the best looking headshot. So if that's something you have to spend a little bit up on or just make sure the quality's there, that's what everybody's going to see. Even what you know you have in your heart, if the first thing that everybody sees isn't quite the greatest quality or doesn't look that good. It's going to make it a little bit more difficult for everyone. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Like I said, I've seen um, when I'm looking at listings for my clients and I look at some of the pictures that are on the multiple listing service, I just cringe because, you know, it, they've been shot with, a, with an iPhone or, you know, something. And it's just you're not helping your client sell that house, you know, and that's why I feel that professional photography is so, so, so important. You have one shot to make a first impression. Pictures sell houses. Um, I have a new listing that's coming on today. Um, I've already had my photos done. The photos went up on the MLS yesterday. I already have seven appointments for tomorrow and five appointments for Saturday, uh, Sunday. So um, it really does make a difference, you know, doing the best you can. I also have a marketing assistant um, that I use uh, to make sure that the listing, you know, uh, gets out on all social media platforms. I'm huge on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Um, find me. Um, and like I said, it just, uh, I am definitely, and if, you know, there's a house that needs maybe some uh, TLC in the front yard. I've got gardeners and landscapers that I can recommend to come in and maybe plant some flowers to give it that pop of color, that great curb appeal. Um, yeah, there's just a lot. I've got, I've got, as you said, full service. I've got landscapers, housekeepers, painters, electrician, handyman, every, anything that we need to get a house ready to be put on the market, 
Um, you know, or I have past clients that, you know, need something, you know, hey, Cindy, you know, I, I want to paint that room. Do you have a painter? Yep, yeah, I do. Let me send you my painter over. So, and like I said, they're people that I highly recommend and I use in my own home. So I really, um, I, I trust them and I know that they'll do a good job. And even even with the like the money side of things, right? If somebody's needing help with like uh, getting approved for a loan or pre-approved, there's even like that. That's what's great is that you have your hands in all of the different places, so you know the people like that. Somebody needs help getting pre-approved. You've got lenders that you can that you can point them to. I do. I actually have two lenders that I work with all the time, and they're both amazing. And I use them because they can get the job done. You know, they're they're on it, you know, uh, by the time I hand them a, a signed purchase contract, I mean, we've already got the appraisal ordered. I've already called to get their inspection, you know, ordered. I mean, we are just on it. And um, these two wonderful ladies that I use, we are able to close escrows right now in 30 days, which is kind of unheard of because wow. of COVID. Things are yeah. taking longer. Um, you're doing the opposite. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're, no, I'm, I'm, uh, like I said, but it, it's all in who you're using as a lender, you know, yeah. and these are both direct underwriting lenders. Um, and they do an amazing job. So, um, yes, I do have the resources for that as well. Gino folks, I'm not lying. This is the sales agent of the month. Just won the million dollar award right now for Coldwell banker in Glendora. I'm talking to full service realtor, Cindy Carava. So Cindy, um, how, like, what is it for you right now? Like how many listings do you have out there? And let's like, we talked about, um, you're all over social media. Cindy is basically the home base website where you can get all of your information, all of your listings, like one quick away, click away from getting in touch with you, checking out all the social media. Media. So what kind of stuff do you have on the website right now? Um, I just, like I said, I have my new listing that came out today. It's a condo in Glendora. And um, I have a couple other things in the pipeline that are going to be coming up. Um, I'm What we're hearing, what we're hearing from the experts, you know, in the, for the market for 2021, uh, interest rates are going to stay where there are right now, like around the 3%, 2.75 to like 3% at least for the next uh, three to six months. Um, inventory is super, super low everywhere, which means that there's hardly any homes on the market. Uh, I did a video last Sunday uh, for Glendora, San Dimas, and Laverne, and literally Glendora had uh, last Sunday 33 homes for sale from about 590,000 up to 600, uh, to 6 million. And 33 homes, and then when you compact that down to, you know, your price range is, say, 700 to 900,000, you've got two houses or three houses. In each range, yeah. Um, this is what is driving home prices up right now because they're so low of inventory. So, people, if you are even thinking remotely, should I sell in 2021? Absolutely, yes. You will get top dollar for your home right now. So, make sure you call me. Great information from full service realtor Cindy Carava. You, she mentioned you, you probably have heard the name before, especially if you're listening to this show. You've probably uh, played the races or you've seen me on TVG or heard uh, us covering races. And Cindy's uh, husband, Jack Carava, longtime trainer, now has been moved over and is doing a phenomenal job as a jocks agent with Tyler Bays, who's uh, who's winning tons of races right now out here in, in Southern California. Again, moving back. So, Cindy, uh, moving into 
2021 it, Everything you know as much of I think all of us want to try to turn the page on 2020 into 2021. We all have a little bit of, uh, I think, whatever field that you're in, maybe a little bit of excitement, enthusiasm. We all just kind of hope that this year will be better for everyone overall. And it looks like for, you know, how how better uh, to to try to turn the page than to either move into a new home, to upgrade your home, to make a couple tweaks and make a couple changes if you can afford to do so. Uh, I'm thinking a lot of people are going to want to want something new in 2021, and and what better than a brand new home for you and your family? Absolutely, Gino. Absolutely. Cindy Carava. Full service realtor You heard all the great ways you can follow her on social media You can check out all of her listings If you follow me on Facebook I'm always sharing a, a lot of things that Cindy has If she's got um, a, new, a new Something she's working on Anything new that she's, uh, that she's selling Always want to show you some of the great stuff Just uh, some of the beautiful homes that she de- uh, deals with And some of the great people too Cindy, thank you so much I know you're busy and you've got a lot of stuff coming up But I just wanted to, let, to check in with you And let everyone hear how 2020 was And what to look forward to in 2021 uh, Love you so much You and uh, and Jack and Brittany and Megan Tell the whole family I said hello Thank you for being such a great supporter of That's What G Said From the beginning And anything you ever need, please just let us know Awesome. Thank you, Gino. Love you guys, too. Thanks so much for having me today. Folks, that was Cindy Carava, full-service realtor. Don't go anywhere. we got plenty more coming on, on That's What She Said. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF pass performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic pass performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF pass performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone. Cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next. And then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering. Multiple formats to view. You got the overview page with recent speed figures, current day's odds, easy access to expert selections and analysis. You got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse. 
and you got those traditional DRF pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones. They are constantly upgrading, improving, and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at DRF.com. Nice to chat with Mrs. Carava there. Make sure to get in touch with her if you need anything at all in the world of real estate. And she's going to give more information uh, in the next few weeks as to some of you who are not in the state of California. She can also help you out and put you in touch with people if you need anything else uh, all over the country. So um, just keep an eye out for more information about Cindy Carava, her website, cindycarava.com. Let's move into the horse racing portion of this episode. Let's talk a little bit about the weekly schedule over at Stable Duel, our friend Stable Duel with those daily horse racing contests. The app, totally free to download. Stable Duel, go download the app on your phone, on your uh, iPad, and then all you have to do is deposit money as much as you want for each of the contests that you would like to enter. Here are some of the examples of contests that they have. On Wednesday, February the 3rd, Gulfstream Park, there are a ton of different options. There's a $2 contest that's a 10 times booster where the top five are going to win 20 bucks. There's a contest, it's a $100 contest that's a double up. There's a $25 top 10. There are two different options for you at Tampa Bay Downs. And then there's a free ride at Penn National. So if you're listening to this, you've never played Stable Duel, but you're interested, you think uh, horse racing daily contest sounds kind of cool, but you don't want to necessarily spend a lot of money on, on it, and maybe you're, you're not going to like it, it's free. It doesn't cost you anything to sign up, and you actually can win cash back for finishing in the top positions. Wednesday night, free contest at Penn National. On Thursday, you got another golf... St- Stream uh, 10 times booster. That one's $10 to enter. You got a $25 golf stream contest, a $100 golf stream contest, Golden Gate, a $5 contest. It's dollar night at Chucktown, a Bucktown at Chucktown. Friday, golf stream. You got a $10 contest. They got a $50 triple up. At Tampa, they got a 10 times booster for $25. At Tampa, they also got a $5 game, $250 guaranteed. They've got Golden Gate. Options, Santa Anita options This weekend, the big focus on Saturday Tampa Bay Downs It is a huge day out there with multiple Graded stakes races on tap $50 contest, $7,500 In cash prizes on Saturday They also have Gulfstream, Santa Anita And Golden Gate options for you And then on Sunday, there's Gulfstream Park Two different options, Laurel Park There's a free ride at Tampa There's a Golden Gate Contest for a dollar There's a Santa Anita contest And then there's a High Rollers private game Where if you entered the games on Saturday You get to get invited into this game That has a $3,000 pool So you might as well play in the Tampa game on Saturday And the Santa Anita game on Saturday Because then you'll get to get entered into this one For only 25 bucks With a chance at a huge pool Each and every week our friends at Stable Duel giving us option after option after option. And uh, one of those options is on Wednesday at Gulfstream Park. We're going to head on over to Gulfstream Park. Let's talk about some of uh, our best bets for Gulfstream Park Wednesday, February the 3rd. Get those past performances out. There are four races uh, I want to take a look at. The first one is the opener. And it is a, a group of maiden $35,000 claimers, six furlongs on the dirt course. I'm looking at the eight, read the transcript, who's going to get Lasix for the first time, who's going to drop in class, who is a uh, a sibling of three other winning Runners, read the transcript, debuted 
on December the 12th. That a good start was fourth, was a couple lengths off, was in the two path, and then just ended up backing up. Was behind a horse named Prime Factor, who we just saw come over uh, on the weekend and finish third in the Holy Bull. And I think a lot of people will look at that and go, oh, Prime Factor didn't run all that well. And I don't think he did. But keep in mind, Prime Factor jumped up and was running against grade three company. This is a drop in class. This is a maiden 35,000. The horse who was second in that race, Dr. Duke, just came back to beat Maiden Special Weights on the turf. Two starts after that. So, the fourth place finisher, Broadway, ends up winning a Maiden Special Weight at Tampa next time out. That race is really, really live. Read the transcript. Has a little three furlong speed blowout recently at Gulfstream Park. Drawn well towards the outside. I like read the transcript quite a bit. Make sure to use this one in the uh, the opening leg of your pick five. We'll play a few bucks to win on the number eight if we can get anything around nine to two or so. Let's move to race number four. I'm looking at the number one, Highway Bound. He's going to try the turf for the first time. I honestly just think he's better than this group. I, I look at the races that he's coming out of. And they're very strong. Okay, so last time out, he's behind. He's in the the stakes race, the Limehouse, and he finishes behind Drain the Clock, who we just saw come back and win the Swale, the Grade Three Swale, by six plus lengths. And in his debut, he's behind two next out winners. One of them named Highly Motivated, who comes back out of that race to win a stakes. The runner-up, Known Agenda, came back out of that race to win, and then has was third in the Grade Two Remsen. I feel like Highly Bound is just better than this group. These connections uh, are. On fire right now Mott and Alvarado in particular on the grass I think the one highway bound uh, Going to be very very tough the, the dam was a grade 1 winner Never turfed I just I don't And I don't know how much This guy really wants the grass I don't, I don't think he will be bad on it I just think he's better Than this group and some of the races that he's coming out of So give highway bound a look Make sure to throw him into some of your uh, early exotics there in the fourth, let's go to race number eight, and uh, I'm looking at the number one in here, Tua T. So Tua T debuts on the grass. I think you can put a line right through it. That's against a open maiden special weights at Gulfstream Park West. Comes back on October the 30th, drops in class against maiden 50s, sprinting on the dirt, wins, sits off the pace a little bit. It's a good effort. Then hooks a tougher group and stretches out, tries a mile. Just trying open company at Gulfstream Park. Now you get a horse who's going to cut back. You go back to a dirt sprint. Now you're in with Florida Breds for the first time after facing open company. I normally don't like playing fillies like this or horses like this in general from the rail when they have sort of a tactical style. But she might be able to get a perfect trip if she's just gonna if she can just take back and sit third or fourth and just take back. Look at a lot of the speed in here and angle around them. Uh, include the Beast won't be far out of it Mon Petit Chou uh, won't be far out of it Demo Wonder won't be far out of it early Foolish Heart is really quick Splash Cash is really quick uh, I don't think Battle Cry is going to be on the lead But I don't think we'll be too far out of it To me, to a T has an opportunity here Moving in with Florida Breds Have a big say in this race Throw the one into your late pick fours, pick fives If I can get around 8-1 to one, I'll make a win wager on the number one To a T in race 8 on Wednesday at Gulfstream Park in the ninth race, let's go to the eight, the Finding Fame. I was just really high on this filly last year. I loved what we saw from her, and 
she went to the bench in June, in June, and we haven't seen her since. But she's training really well. She was a fine second uh, in her lone defeat. And Suge is really, really good off the bench. I think she's going to be able to show some of that improvement from three to four, just a little bit of maturity. Number eight, finding fame. If we can get around five to two, we'll make a win wager, maybe a late exotic single for me in race number nine there at Gulfstream. So in the opener, the number eight, race one, the eight. Uh, in race number four, the number one. In race eight, the number one to a T. And in the ninth, the number eight, finding fame. Those are Gulfstream Park plays for Wednesday. Let's jump to Thursday, uh, and we'll stay at Gulfstream Park. I've got three plays over at Gulfstream on Thursday, February the 4th. Let's turn to race number three for Gulfstream Park on Thursday. I thought the one Indy Tourist was interesting. So... Indy Tourist last couple races, I just feel like have been against tougher. Excess Magic was second, just beating a nose uh, at the Texas Turf Mile in at Sam Houston over the weekend. That's a, a really tough race, and it was a deep race. Invincibility didn't run well, but was also uh, in there against tough. You see Musa Tebek, uh, who is going to be on the, on the shelf for a little while, but that's a nice, nice runner. Indy Tourist was chasing in second, was in the two-path, was, was within a length, and just faded. I just feel like he was in a little too tough last time out comparing the races he comes out of to the races everyone else in here comes out of uh, another situation where sort of like what we were saying at Gulfstream Park uh, on Wednesday is he just looks better to me and the races he comes out of are just better and he has the inside draw should be forwardly placed the number one indie tourist if we get anything over three to one we'll make a win wager on that one in the fourth at Gulfstream Park on Thursday, open maiden sweat specials going a mile in here. I thought the two Emma Rose, she you know she bumped around uh, in the gate, and the rider actually dismounted. She was bumping, she was knocking around, which you never like to see. They had to keep backing her out um, out behind the gate, and then she loaded and she went fine. She, she had a good start. She was tracking second. She was about a length off in the two path. She ends up getting caught in between horses. She shuffled, gets shuffled back a couple lengths to fourth. She came on again on the inside. I thought it was just a really bad ride. I'm not surprised to see a, a jock change off of that. You have a barn who's been a little unlucky and uh, is due for a couple of those runner-up efforts to uh, to flop over and uh, and get into the winner's circle. So Emma Rose, uh, I think, is going to fire a very big effort in here. And she should be pretty close on the stretch out. Emma Rose, the number two. Anything around three to one makes sense on this one. Let's move to race number six for our final play on Thursday at Gulfstream Park. I'm going to the six reinforced. So she has raced twice. Both of those races came at up at Woodbine. Her first in her career debut, she was excellent. She was a step slow, then she was asked to get the lead inside of a couple others. A little green, a little goofy late, but she just showed a ton of ability. Then in her last start, she broke with the leaders. She took back to sixth, seven. She's about three lengths off, three deep. She was a chasing, uh, chasing a lone speed winner, super sensational, who I absolutely love. And she tried to make uh, make a big wide move, but she was just a little flat that day. She didn't have pace to run at. Reinforced, and the race she comes out of has come back very strong, super sensational. The winner came back to finish second in the Silver Bullet Day. The horse who won the Silver Bullet Day was Charlie's Penny, and she was fourth in that very same race on October the 17th up at Woodbine. Reinforced comes out of a loaded race. She showed ability. 
I think she's got a little versatility to her because she she won on the lead, but she did make that little middle move. I, I do see her being able to sit off and pass horses. There are a couple to the inside that have more speed than her. Reinforced. The number six in race number six. It's my third and final play for Golfstream on Thursday. In race number three, the one, Indy Tourist. In race number four, the two, Emma Rose. And in race number six, the six, Reinforced. That's Thursday over at Golfstream Park. Time to get into some Sam Houston. I'm going to hit the first part of the card, and then Jessica Paquette joins me to talk about the late pick five, and then following that, I will uh, do a little quick recap of some of my uh, my selections again for the late pick five. So as we get into the opener for Sam Houston for Thursday, get those past performances out for race number one. We got 15,000 claimers in here. I lean towards the six, Milton Town, who is the chalk, and he did have legitimate trouble. He got shuffled on the inside. He was tracking behind the leaders. He was within two, and he just had absolutely nowhere to go uh, last time that we saw him. He makes a ton of sense in here. I prefer him over, you know, St. Louis guy who's going to take a lot of money on the cutback. Impact player makes a lot of sense. Look who he was just behind, Sky Ride, who came back to win that $75,000 stakes race on Sunday there, and he keeps coming out of live race after live race. If you're looking for the the price to maybe use, maybe the three, uh, Rumpoli, who has been behind direct dial, and he's another one who comes out of some good races, but he just has not been in good form. A positive is he's run well in the past here at Sam Houston, and he does have some speed. I just don't think six and a half furlongs is really what he wants to do. He drops, he's probably the quickest in here, but he's not in good form. He, he has one win at a mile, and uh, his other five victories are at six furlongs or less. So six for me, uh, I'll single if you want to play some early pick threes. I'd play a pick three, like six with three, four, with one, two, four, something like that to start in an early pick three. And as we move along to race number two, and I'll lean towards the three, run on girl. There is just no speed whatsoever in here. Uh, I know she has to prove it. She has to prove she can go this far. She has to prove she's this good. Her lone victory came going four furlongs, but there's just no other speed in here. Another knock on her, the horse that beat her recently, Kitchen Match, came to Sam Houston on January the 9th and on January the 21st, finished last of seven and last of ten against 5,000 non-three and against Texas Red 5,000 non-three. So it's not even like she's coming out of some of the stronger races in here. I just don't love the favorites. I don't love Zippy Chick. Can't do it. Can't do it off uh, off the, the the last effort and just no legitimate excuse. I, I sure that's at Oaklawn. Sure that's against better. I I just don't like when horses like this for Asmussen show up here. Could she win? Yes, at that short of a price. No, thank you. I'd prefer Lionesse, the two of the shorter price horses. They claim this one for ten. Now in for five and just has not done anything in the last few. At least there's the blinkers coming on and coming out of a race where uh, you know the horse that she was beat by was was live and uh, was sharp. The, the full like I'm by default three four in here. I'm completely against the five. If you want to throw the two in, I, I eh. But I'm gonna play tickets with the three four. I'm also gonna throw the six in on, uh, on one ticket with that speed. To the outside, there's just not a ton of speed in here. I think Selfish Woman could be sitting close at least. You know, sitting, run on goal probably goes. Lionesse is probably second. Selfish Woman could be third from the outside, maybe just fall into a good spot. 
I mean, Danny Sorensen is just not winning races at all right now, but Air Walker feels like she should just fall into a good trip in here. So yeah, I had him stack 3, 4, 6, 2. And we'll use 3, 4, um, and, and, you know, and maybe take a swing against some of the chalks in here. I'd use the two of the chalks if you want to. In the third race, the number 4, Tactician feels like one of the li- uh, the favorites that if I had a single one, it would be here. I, I, I start eliminating horses in here. The the six mists of time, I just can't get to. She, uh, he's ever never even actually crossed the wire first. Um, Iris Silver on the class drop, you know, has an okay race at Sam Houston last year to, to go back to, but I, I just don't love what I've seen from him recently. Uh, you know, you get to Valiant Appeal, who I thought really had no excuses. He just couldn't, I, I didn't love his ride. But the race he's coming out of has not come back good. Winter Wolf was fifth next out against 15 non three. Three Eyed Raven was fourth next out against 10 non twos. And that was the was behind Roll on Curlin. So Violent Behavior is actually coming out of a better race because Roll on Curlin beat Three Eyed Raven. Three Eyed Raven was fourth. It's what's what stinks about this race from just a wagering standpoint is that the horses who I really feel like are the strongest are the three chalks. When you're in that situation, I single the one that I like the most, which is the four tactician. We, like, let's look at him and dig a, a bit. He broke his maiden last time out after a, a slow start. He was actually last of six, and then he shot through the inside to the lead uh, with a couple other horses to the outside of him pressing, and they just sort of handled him like they were confident. His races at Saratoga weren't very good, but those were at Saratoga against Maiden Claimers. You you know, you can make excuses for some of his other poor performances, going long, going long on the turf, uh, definitely faced tougher company. So I think the four could be a horse to single in here. Uh, single the four on one ticket, and, uh, you know, four, one, two would be how I have him stacked. In the fourth race, I thought the three, Golden Lullaby, has the opportunity to, to get the lead in here. She just did not show any speed last time out because she broke well. She was right with the leaders, but the horse to the outside of her was a little faster, crossed over. That ended up putting Golden Lullaby in a, in a tough spot where she had to sort of take back a bit, and she couldn't ever really go on with it again. She's much quicker than she showed last time out. I think you have to use her just because this race doesn't scream like it has a lot of speed on paper. I'm throwing the three in Golden Lullaby. I'm using the five, Stay Thirsty, My Amigo, who's just sharp, uh, using one right back off of the win. The number seven, that's uh, NJ's Brass. Very, very logical, who won nicely for the New Connections last time out, sort of pressing, and again, the race will probably go through him. Lone Star Lady's a little bit better than she was last time out. She completely missed the break. She ended up like 15 lengths out of it. She deserves another shot um, here off of the form that was fine prior to that. You know, some of her poor races were just against tougher. So three, five, seven, four in race number four at Sam Houston. Moving on to race number five, and this is a five thousand beaten claimer. I'm looking at Towering Oak, who is going to go first start off the claim for Steve Williams and Sophie Doyle. We were going to talk about this just after with uh, with Jessica. Sophie Doyle is riding really well right now. The last week in particular, the first two weeks of the meet, she was not. And she was struggling, and this was one of the horses, I think, where she just kind of got in some trouble. She couldn't get this one to the lead. So I wouldn't be shocked to see Towering Oak get more aggressive with, uh, with Contreras get more aggressive with Towering Oak, try to put this guy in more of a striking spot, second, third, pretty close to the pace in here. Let's see if he gets a little more aggressive. And then also on the on the flip side, 
right now, keep an eye on Sophie. She's riding really, really well. And a lot of the horses. So you want to look back. Sometimes, like anytime when you're struggling, you get in some tough trips, you get in a bad place. Right now, Sophie's been aggressive this last week. She was winning a ton of races doing that. So just a, a little a little added note with Towering Oak, why I will be using him in this spot. I'll also be using, hey, who was I just talking about? Sophie Doyle on the five. Run Tech, two five is my top two in here with the three. Pompayano, who's going to go first off the claim with an excellent barn first off the claim. Just another connections play, really. And then you look towards the outside, the number uh, 11 was another one, I think, uh, to throw in on some of your tickets, Archie. Archie's last few races are sneaky. He tailed off form, but he's he's shown a, a little bit of ability in his last few, and I, I think he might get forgotten about in this spot. He can no doubt about it snap back and win a race like this. 2 5 3 11 at Sam Houston in race number 5. Some of the uh, ways I might be approaching uh, the wagers there at Sam Houston. Remember you can play pick 4s in the second race. 12% takeout pick 4s. I will play 2. Uh, I'll play one of them where I go 3-4 with 1-2-4 with 3-4-5-7 with 2-3-5-11. I'll play another one that I build around singling in race number 3 with the number, number 4 tactician. So it'll be something like uh, Two, three, four, six in the second with the four in the third with the three, four, five, seven with the two, three, five, eleven. A couple uh, looks at you know different pick four approaches to take there at Sam Houston on Thursday. Now we head over and talk some late pick five with Jessica Paquette. She joined us a few weeks ago. She's been doing such a great job with all of uh, the coverage and handicapping races there at Sam Houston. We talk a little bit about the the great weekend from Sam Houston, and then we get into the late pick five going through races six through ten. Enjoy. Another week of Sam Houston is upon us. You know that we're going to be talking about each and every racing day right here on That's What G Said podcast. And uh, I got to... Stop right now and, and and give major credit to the next guest that's going to be joining me. She's back again. She was here talking to Sam Houston with us a few weeks. But, I mean, it can't be a coincidence, Jessica, that Sam Houston is breaking all these handle records just a few weeks after you joined the team. I mean, it's pretty apparent you seem to be the difference maker here. Well, that's really sweet of you to say. But I think <laughs> if you put on a, a good product with big fields and low takeout, if you know if you create it, people will bet. This was just, uh, before we get into the Thursday card, we're going to look at uh, February 4th for Sam Houston, and Jessica and I are going to talk about the late pick five, so if you want to follow along, you can get your past performances out to race six for February for, uh, 4th for Thursday, but Jessica, just uh, what an incredible week we're coming off of uh, for Sam Houston. They have like, three or four of these weeks throughout the year that are big, big days. This one is usually thought of as their biggest one with a couple graded stakes and horses shipping in from all over. And it really didn't disappoint. We had massive fields. We had big barns. We had really like popular big name horses winning. Uh, it just seemed like it was a great day from top to bottom. There was so much buzz on social media. People covering Sam Houston races all throughout the week between uh, Chris Griffin and Frank over there and Martha Claus. They've all just did a did a phenomenal job getting the word out there, um, uh, finding people that were going to help talk and promote Sam Houston. This was it really felt like it was a big, big day. It felt huge. And the cool thing was it felt huge wherever you were, because, you know, this is a weird, yeah. a weird time. Many of us are watching from home or watching not in the way we would normally. And the way everyone was engaging on social media, it kind of felt like I was watching it with a bunch of my friends. And that was really yeah. fun. 
It did. That's what Sam Houston sort of become over the last couple of years uh, for me. And it's nice is that there's definitely a group of people that out there that are starting to really understand. Oh wow, uh, great quality racing, low takeout. When we bet a lot, when we bet often, uh, every time you can get an extra ten, twenty, thirty bucks for the money that you bet. There's nothing wrong with that. So uh, just a a big blanket. Uh, congratulations to Sam Houston and everyone involved for a really awesome week. But. The show doesn't stop, right, Jessica? That that no, like nobody cares anymore in the world of gambling. What you did last week, they want to know what can you do for me today. Where can you find me a winner or two? So let's do that for the folks out there. Uh, let's jump into this late pick five over at Sam Houston, and we look at Thursday's card. So we kick things off with fifteen thousand dollar claimers. They're going to travel a mile on the turf course, and we have a heavy favorite uh, on the morning line. And and I do got to give uh, more props here. Sophie Doyle had a really bad like two to three week stretch to start the meet where she just was a combination of struggling a little bit and then unlucky like in any sport you know baseball you start missing and then you just go oh for 2025 and then it all flipped for her last week she had an awesome week she was just getting aggressive she was putting horses right on the front she was winning in different ways so now we've got the hot riding Sophie Doyle aboard uh, Senorito Cometa. And I was surprised to see Sophie Doyle get off to such a slow start because I think really highly of her. I mean, I'm really looking forward to talking to her later on in the season because she's an equestrian as well as a jockey. And that's super cool to me. But, yeah, no, she's hot now. This is I think she has hit her stride, got her confidence back, whatever it was. Um, This horse looks very tough. I also like Queen of Carnival, number four, a little bit Mm -hmm. off of a really solid 2020 campaign coming in a little fresh. Moves up back on the grass. I think there's a lot to like if you're trying to beat the favorite. And and we talk about uh, um, Senorita Cometa and Sophie Doyle Sort of hitting their stride, so it's Jonathan Wong And we're going to see that with some of these barns Who uh, who maybe it took a, a few weeks To feel things out, like Lucarelli And with, uh, with Wong, these are Really, really good conditioners, and so When they start getting hot, you're going to see These numbers start to, to really tick up like you see With Wong, yeah, Com- Senorita Cometa Is, is going to be pretty tough in here, you mentioned Another one, Queen of Carnival, who has some really nice Turf races you can go back and, and look at uh, At Louisiana Downs just a few months ago Back to the turf should help, I thought there was a sort of an interesting long shot Maybe if you want to flop in to, to start your pick five here The the two naughty justice Who's going to stretch out and get back to the turf Completely missed a break and, and didn't really have a shot last time out Going six and a half, sort of got forced into the turn I think if he's able to If she's able to sort of settle and track Like she did in that indie race a couple months back Where she broke her maiden going seven and a half She might be able to just get the lead in here By default, she'll have to hold off Senorita Cometa, no doubt about it She looks like the one to beat for me in there But I'm glad you mentioned Queen of Carnival Who's sort of a, a nice middle price And those connections are just about as solid of Sam Houston connections as you'll find with Danny Pish and with Leslie aboard. You know you're going to get like a, a horse who's ready to rock and a really quality ride. Yeah, for sure. And uh, Leslie's another one. Boy, he rides every horse like they have a shot. Absolutely, really aggressive. Very rarely do you go. Ah, you know that was a. Oh, I wasn't in the right spot, or that's not where I thought that horse was going to be when you when when there's a horse that he's on. So, um, yeah, I always love playing him as uh, we uh, we get through the first leg of this pick five sequence uh, with the seven. Going to be looking pretty tough in here to start, but a couple other ways to go if you want to spread out uh, and use a few others. Let's move to race number seven, which starts your late pick four sequence. We've got uh, optional 50, non twos, or the claiming price of 50,000, six furlongs the distance. I got to say, we have a phenomenal name for a horse here, Jessica, with the six really slow, <laughs> which is just. <laughs> I don't know if I want my money on really slow. 
that doesn't really, you know, set a horse up for success in their life when you know, like I, names matter a little bit. Um, I just can't you know, for those like, of you that follow me on Twitter, I refer to my horse all the time. I mean, I think people think his name is the bad horse. It, it's funny because it, I, I, I used to play this game with my friends when we were a little younger. Like, okay, can you hear, you know, like a Trevor Denman or someone calling that as the Kentucky Derby winner? If you can't, maybe that shouldn't be the name. And here comes really slow and really slow. I don't know. Oh, that's you a know? pretty good I, Denman. That's <laughs> right. I do, my, I, I do my best. I do my best. I've heard a lot of them out here in uh, in SoCal. But uh, let's start in race number seven. Who are some of the horses that you're looking with to begin? I, I mean, I think number nine, Hulun, seems like an obvious horse here coming up for Steve Asmussen, Stuart Elliott. They must have thought highly of him as a two-year-old after breaking his maiden at Churchill. He kind of went right into a graded stakes race. And while he hasn't really panned out from there, He's been fresh and sense, three-year-old debut. You think he gets a little better at three, maybe. Um, I think, you know, I think he's the obvious contender. I also like the horse right to his outside, number ten, River Ruler, a little bit. I think of the two that you mentioned, I I would prefer Hulin if I had to pick one of those two. And just like you said, we've got four straight tries where he's actually stakes placed, and he didn't run poorly. He ran really no. well, and he drew towards the inside in three of those starts where he was rail rail, and then the two post, and just sort of with his running style where he seems more to not like a speed demon, more of a, like a presser. I think the outside draw will really really benefit him in this spot where he can just sort of like, and that's what Stuart Elliott really does well. I don't even really think of him as a gun rider I think of him more as like a, a pressing sit And then can move to the lead It feels like this will be a really good spot for, for Hulin I completely agree with you there um, The one horse that I'm going to use with Hulin um, All over the place too Is the number three Too bad so sad So I liked his debut win I thought it was it was really good He came back uh, on January the 9th at Sam Houston He had a good start But they lined up like six horses across the racetrack He was three deep and in between horses He ended up getting that really tough Shuffled back trip where you lose a couple lengths And if you see the running line It's kind of weird He's actually back to last in the field And then he comes on again for fourth It was a pretty decent effort The horse who was in front of him that day The third place finisher Carbon Striker Just came back and crushed in a, a Texas Bread Stakes over the Weekend looked really good doing it So I thought the three, too bad so sad Was worth including for connections that are Like Calhoun is going to start Winning some races too He's had seven seconds and five thirds With just one win for 30 So you know a few of those are going to start heading the other way I like the other Calhoun in this spot too The 11 spotted bull Uh, Terrible trip last time out Brutal Terrible trip and and didn't pick up his feet on the turf I think you draw a line through that And if you overlook that race entirely He looks you know, perfectly spotted here And he's got that nice style towards the outside Where he should be able to track off a little bit In a big field like this You sort of assume that you're going to accidentally Get a couple other horses to show speed And then you look on paper and you've got you know, Winner's Luck You've got Brother Robert You've got Texas Titan who are all going to be sort of 40 placed, I'm Money wouldn't shock You get to Jonathan Who who wants to lead Golden Eye So now we're looking at um, you know, it, it could be pretty quick in here And a horse like Spotted Bull drawn towards the outside Might be able to sit a really nice trip Sort of like the one on uh, November the 28th at Remington so yeah I thought this was a, a really fun Great race to for like a pick four Pick five because we've just mentioned Six or seven horses who uh, you could uh, You could throw on your ticket and you can make a case for Yeah you're gonna have to go deep in a few spots Yeah absolutely and you know That's okay because we maybe you, you can shorten up A little bit with one or two if you start the pick five And the sixth and and maybe we'll get to some other spots Throughout uh, a little later where we could uh, We could shorten up we what, what makes it interesting now as we start getting to this point of the meet as we move to race number eight at Sam Houston. Now we're getting to the point where 
Uh, and I guess it depends on how you handicap. Sometimes at, at tracks, the first few weeks of the meet are really difficult because you've got so many horses who are coming in from different tracks that haven't run in three, four, six months. They're all coming off the bench. You're not sure who is quite ready 100%. Now we've got like we're starting to get to the point where a lot of these horses have a race under their belt at the meet, so we can kind of see what happened. And we get some of these fields where we've get. Three, four, five horses all coming out of the same race That's the case here in race number 8 at Sam Houston We have four of these horses that are exiting that January 15th race Where they actually ran uh, dead heat for 2nd, 3rd, 4th, and 5th So, uh, you know, you, I guess you have to start with that race with a, a lot of the contenders Because uh, lovely Lolita, I am interesting, whatever comes Who are your A, B, and D horses on the morning line all come out of that race So where do, where do you begin in the 8th? I'm actually going to use this race as a single to try to keep my ticket a little uh, a little lower price because I feel like I'm going to want to go deeper later on in the card. Um, I single but lovely Lolita here. Yep. So I have a couple of rules when I'm handicapping low-level maidens and low-level non-winners of two lifetime. Like This is one of my major handicapping rules. Less starts, the better. Um, the horses get stuck in these conditions, and I think they have a, some horses will have a hard time kind of elevating themselves past yep. them. Only four starts. She ran well enough last time in her first start at this level. Uh, that was enough class relief that it made a huge difference for her. And I think it's just a matter of time before she gets the maiden win. I don't know if she gets that second win ever. That's that's a different story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, we'll be having this conversation when she's in non wears of two lifetime in a couple of weeks where I'm like, oh, I don't know. But <laughs> I, 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 you know, I think she's I think she steps up here. I also like the jockey change a little bit. I agree. I think she's going to be pretty tough. She broke on top, but it's sort of weird. She broke on top and she had the opportunity to cross over and clear off, but she didn't really go on with it. It's sort of what you're mentioning with the jockey change. I think a little bit more of an aggressive ride. She wouldn't have lost. She she ends up sitting second. She opens up a couple lengths at the top of the lane. It was a brutal beat. She holds off a, a, another challenge. She ends up finishing second in a dead heat situation. But I much prefer Lovely Lolita to I Am Interesting for some of the reasons that you said. It just sort of feels like this might be where I Am Interesting belongs here. Um, so for me, I'll be using um, – and, and anyone that wants to single the five just like you did, I would not talk them off that. I'll probably use five and seven, and I just sort of treat the seven as like a total wild card here. I toss the synthetic races, and then the form looks a little bit better. You have a race, uh, a maiden 30 at Keeneland to start, and then a maiden 50 at Churchill, and both of those were against tougher groups where she actually showed a little bit of tactical speed, and maybe she can just kind of fall into a nice spot. And if that race isn't very strong, that January 15th race, she might just be like the new face in here good enough to beat this group. So I'm going to go 5-7 all over the place But I would not talk anyone off singling Lovely Lolita Who's going to be really tough on the cutback Uh, Let's get to the late double We have another crazy situation here So we've got Texas bred Phillies and Mares 10,000 non-twos And we've got six of these horses That come out of the January 14th race From Sam Houston This race is going to be going seven furlongs And um, some of the horses that will uh, likely take money in here You've got Brightest for Danny Pish, who's going to take some money You've got Awesome Sunset Who's going to be uh, taking money coming in from Canterbury for Bravo And other than that, I mean Chow Chow, Natalie's Joy probably will But it should be spread out in another This might have been one of those races you were talking about That you need to go a little deeper Yeah, I think it's between, I mean, between those like three or four fillies, you can really go any which way. If I'm putting one on top, it's going to be Natalie's Joy. I think she just offers a little bit more value. And again, she checks my boxes. I have some rules. I try to follow them. Um, And she ran well last time out. It was her first start off the bench. You have to think she might have needed one. And I thought she finished kind of better than the rest of them. And seven furlongs feels like it should just hit her right between the eyes. You know, she's got, she's not 
that sl- I don't think she has to be as far back as she was last time out. Um, you mentioned second start off the bench. She should be the, like a little bit sharper. I think she's a must use in your late exotics because you like at the six six and a half furlong point when some of these horses fillies are going to be getting tired. Uh, she's going to come running late, and it just depends on if she gets the type the type of trip she needs. So I'll be using her on all my tickets. A couple others that I'll throw in. I think the six awesome sunset sort of obvious. Uh, just one one for seventeen, and I d- I don't love going to horses like this. I do feel like she might just be coming out of some of the better races And when you look at where she was sort of stacking up last time She was at Sam Houston last year She was actually competitive against a, a little bit tougher The bust out long shot I'm going to throw into a few tickets Is the four I just think she might be able to catch a flyer here And have two lengths on the field I don't know if she's going to be even remotely close to good enough To beat a group like this But uh, it I just don't see a whole lot of other legitimate sprint speed in here. And if you toss her last start where she completely missed the break, you notice that she always she always gives you a good run for your money as far as getting out of the gate, showing some speed. So I think that's what we'll get for what you sort of want from a big bust out long shot. Those were my top three, uh, six, four, and eleven. And then um, you know what do you do with a horse like Asmussen claiming Miss Yachty and uh, and I, I mean I wouldn't talk you off of that one, but you're gonna have but to show also, some. What do you do with them? What do you right? do with these? Like you have to right? pick your spots with these, and with I, so I don't many, know if there's this so is many. The one. Yeah, there's so many of these, that, and and the the unfortunate problem with the the Asmussen horses is they're almost always overbet, you know, at, at this track, and so yeah. even. Go ahead. And yeah. I don't think in two weeks he's moving a horse up off Danny Fish that much. I right. Don't, that, I don't no, think I, he. I don't think it's a. I mean, I don't think this horse is going to become a world feeder in two weeks. And and there wasn't like legitimate trouble or excuses in the race to where we could just say, oh yeah, you know, she could be a contender right back. So I'm. She's the type of filly that if she beats me, I'm okay with letting her beat me. And I can go three or four deep in this race spread around because I don't like defensively using a chalk that I just don't really love. So yeah, I agree with you. Like you, you have to handicap a lot of these. You know when you're doing when you're playing your pick four, pick five sequences, you have to take a stand, and you can't just go like ABC, ABC every race. This this is one where you and I look around and see a few others. Like I'd prefer Brightest over her, who who you know she faced on on January the fourteenth, and I just thought Brightest was better, and and Miss Yachty didn't have very many excuses. I'd prefer Chow Chow over her, who I think you can excuse the last race. It was on a good track, and you can sort of just key off of Chow Chow's race before that. So. At a short price, she's not one that I need Fair enough Let's close things out with Texas bred Maiden fillies, three-year-old, six furlongs The distance in here um, We have uh, some Lightly raced horses uh, We have Rosie Jane for Asmussen We just talked about the Asmussen short price Horses, um, we didn't think one in the Ninth was necessarily one that you had To key in on, what about this one, Rosie Jane Who's making her uh, second career start She's fine. I mean, she certainly she ran well in her debut. Her half brother actually runs on Friday. So for what it's for what it's worth, uh, I think he's in on the turf. I mean, so the family has produced some uh, competitive horses. I actually have a really strong opinion in this race. A little fat. I'm really interested. I so I love a state bred breeding program. And number six, Berdeos is. Oh, we're on him. We're on him. You're on him too. Go, Go ahead. Sell us. Yep. Oh, well, we'll see. Um, first time starter, Dan was a winner, half sibling too. I think what like the best Texas bred of all time, uh, Texas Chrome. Yep. So there's just a lot of local pedigree here. And again, I love I love a good state bred breeding program. And I think Texas is doing a, an awesome job kind of getting new stallions and breeding better and better horses, which is just proof that this mare has already produced a graded stakes winner. And this this like when I see a horse like this that's working at fairgrounds 
but they're a Texas bred It doesn't bother me when they come to Sam Houston Because it makes sense they're running in a Texas bred program Just like you said If this was a horse who ends up showing up in open company I'd scratch my head a little bit and think it wasn't a, it, Why wouldn't they just run You know, If it was like a Louisiana bred and they come over here to Sam Houston You'd think oh, why wouldn't they stay and run at fairgrounds Sort of the opposite here The barn has been Don't so lucky un- Yeah right and the barn has been so unlucky So the dam won uh, just once, one for eleven, but she actually broke her maiden at Sam Houston against Texas Breads. I always like like little things like that where it sure, sort of adds, sure. adds up. She's produced four foals, uh, four siblings to race. All of them are multiple winners. You mentioned Texas Chrome, nine for twenty-two, over a million in earnings. That's a multiple graded stakes winner against Open multiple Company. That's graded cool. stakes winner who that's... also won his debut. <laughs> yeah, so I, and I just think that's really neat. So I like, I just love, I love it when these state breads go and beat the big dogs somewhere. And then the three, like, also rans of the siblings. You've got Patron Margarita, who was two for eight, 222,000. That's a grade two winner who also won her debut. You've got Half to Pink Stiletto, who was a five time winner who earned 50,000. And Half to Margarita on the Rocks. I had a frozen strawberry one last night. No rocks for me. A four time winner, 36,000. So, I mean, that's a nice little pedigree for a Texas bred horse for a barn who is 13% with first timers over the last five years. So, you know, you see 9%. I'm talking about a five year sample where this barn has been 13%. I think I'll play one ticket where I single the six. And and that uh, I usually play like two two different tickets and and can maybe key in on the the you know the opinions that I like the most. I think this would be one where I could single because it's sort of it, it, on both ways. Like it's nice when you can single a horse in the last race because then you can sort of play the okay, let me get there. You know, yeah, let's try to get, get there. there. And let's okay horses who I like who do I want to use On my ticket to get there and um, And I think you know I'll play one With the six here and uh, I think we're both In a little bit of trouble with uh with the way things Have been going for me we're going to get a great effort And uh, and a strong second place finish so we might Want to do an all over the six exactly here too As is the story <laughs> of my life I handicap reasonably well and then I bet Really badly this is just <laughs> This is this is the story of my Life but but I really like this horse I'm Super excited to see him I think I think he'll be fun To watch uh, kind of this start and onward yeah, I agree. Uh, you mentioned Rosie Jane too. I sort of feel the same. Like I'm not cold on her. You know, I'm. I'm like she's like she's one of the Asmussen horses that when you got to kind of handicap them and see where they fit. She's a homebred. So when she debuted here, it was just like we're saying with with the six. Like, oh, okay, this is a good spot for her. This wasn't one of those maidens that, that they paid five hundred thousand for, and they're sort of like weirdly showing up in a spot that doesn't, wouldn't make as much sense. This one, Rosie Jane. This is where she fits. Like th- this is her. These yep. are her friends. Um, I'd like to see her on the turf if I'm if I'm you know making yeah. requests. Sure, sure. She, I agree. I think she she could step a little forward there. Um, and then uh, underneath total bust out long shot again. Um, if we're playing the six on top of some horses, one that I would throw under is the first time starter, the four. Cats enough of you. So the dam was a five time winner and actually won her first two starts. She was really quick. The lone sibling of this one was a six time winner and a multiple stakes winner. And this barn, um, you know, is not a barn that wins a whole ton recently. But when you look at the last few years, they've had eight first time starters and they actually won with one of them. And the one that won was at Delta at 51 to one. So, uh, you know, you can lose a lot after you win with one at 50 to one and you're still going to be in the positive. So maybe, you know, if you're able to single earlier on in the card and you just want to have one crazy long shot to end your pick four or pick five, that would be one uh, I would uh, recommend. Throwing in cats enough of you But it feels like Jessica and I will probably be tied a lot To the uh, the first time starter Burdios Here in the last who just looks to be Very very well spotted for Calhoun I, I've, I've gone to Calhoun a few times On this card so I'm, I'm hoping fingers crossed Knock on wood that this may be the, the Start of the week that, uh, that, that he starts warming up 
You and I both Jessica Paquette uh, heard you last week Doing great great uh, work over with uh, Champagne and JD on their podcast You were all over the place promoting Sam Houston And we uh, we love following you On social media you've been doing a great job Posting some of your videos posting selections Doing stuff on the track feed And uh, on the, the Twitter feeds with Sam Houston So uh, let us know where can we Follow you on social media Follow me at JM Paquette it's selections Horses dogs and a little bit of running That's it uh- Awesome, well fingers crossed, good luck You're going to try to get into that uh, marathon, right? I, I, I saw you talking about that uh, the other day if, if anyone wants to give me a charity number to Boston You know where to find me Okay, if you're if you're listening out there uh, Let's see if we can help uh, help Jessica out uh, Love doing this, Jessica you, you do such a great job over there You're such a, a blast to talk to too Because you have some fun uh, along with the, the handicapping And you're a great follow So we'll get you back here in a few weeks uh, and, and do this again and uh, pick, a, pick a few winners for the folks Thanks, Gina, good luck Thank you so much, Jessica Paquette You know how to follow her out there on social media Don't go anywhere, folks We're going to recap this uh, And we'll finish up Sam Houston Thursday Great stuff from Jessica Paquette there Make sure to give her a follow on social media Covering Sam Houston And doing a a great job at that Let's finish up uh, Just a little recap of some of my thoughts On this late pick five So in the sixth race Which starts the pick five there at Sam Houston On Thursday I had the two, Naughty Justice The seven, Senorita Calmetta I have them stacked two, seven uh, With the four, Queen of Carnival With the one, Wild Prospect With the five, the one for fun So I'll play a couple different tickets I'll play one where I just use the two and seven I'll play another ticket, as I mentioned Where I'm going to end up singling In race number 10 And in that in that situation you know, as deep and or as big as you want your ticket to go, use the horses to try to get you to race number ten to to where we single the the six. So for me, that would be you know one, two, four, five, seven, probably as uh, we move along to race number seven at Sam Houston. I love the three. Too bad, so sad. Make sure to throw this horse in on your late pick fours, late pick fives. To me, the the nine who Jessica also mentioned, Hulin, those would be my top two. Um, So I would have three nine on one ticket. On the other ticket where I'd single and I wanted to to make sure I get there, I would be using, you know, three, nine, seven, ten, eleven. Probably that that combination of horses. In uh, race number eight, uh, my... Top two in here are the five seven. I mentioned if you need to shorten up, if you feel the need to shorten up, for me it would be those two, lovely Lolita and uh, Tell You Ride Queen. If you just toss the synthetic races, her first two starts, first at Keeneland and then at Churchill, where she showed a little tactical speed on the dirt, those would be fine. Those would stack up really well here, as long as the synthetic, she, as long as it was just the synthetic that was the reason why she didn't run all that well, and and not any other reason. So. Seven five, you know, over two three eight. But this is the race where I do feel like if you need to shorten up, I could just be fine with five seven. I could feel sort of comfortable with five seven on either ticket if I was going deeper, if I wanted to to spread out a little bit. So in race number nine, I'm looking at the six here. Awesome sunset. I had slightly on top of the. So my top tier is six. 411 uh, with you know major question marks about a horse like the five. Give me six, uh, awesome sunset. The four, sweet tomato pie with a brief thrill, gonna give you uh, some speed up front. Looks like the one to catch. I think the 11 to the outside is a horse who you want. Natalie's Joy, uh, who Jessica had mentioned, I think you have to use her with seven furlongs the distance. It should be a great, great spot for her. The eight. Brightest, the nine, chow chow What do you want to do with them? I 
prefer them over the five. Miss Yachty, who's also going to take money here. So, you know, those are the combina- some of the combinations of horses I would be thinking about using. But I had them stacked 6, 4, 11, 8, and then, you know, 9 question marks about the five underneath. As we close it out in race number 10, love the six. Absolutely love the six. I'm going to single this one uh, on a, a one pick four, pick five, and do my best to try to get there. I'll also end up playing another ticket where I, I back up using the six, ten, you know, maybe even one other ticket where I end up using one, four, six, seven, ten, eleven, just as a, a smaller ticket. But my big, my bigger tickets and my bigger opinions are definitely going to be tied in to the number six in here, uh, the first time starter in race number ten. So a couple approaches uh, at the pick five that I may take a look at. Um, you know, if you're not wanting to single, I could do something like in the sixth race, two seven with three nine with five seven. You could still go deep in the last two four five six eight eleven one four six seven eight eleven if you want. And, and I mentioned some of these horses I don't even love, and I'm not gonna like I'm not using the the five Miss Yachty. I, I won't use some of those. I just I kind of mark them down as horses who we at least have to discuss. Um, and, and then on the other ticket, you know. I'm going to play a ticket where I just try to get to race number 10, single to the six, and it I can spread out in the four races prior to that with as much as, as any of our bankrolls can afford. Maybe for someone it's 100, for somebody else it might be 40. So, you know, use all the horses that you like trying to get to that six who uh, I think we can single at the end of the Sam Houston Thursday card. Excited for Sam Houston Thursday card. We'll have thoughts on Sam Houston Friday. Sam Houston Saturday We're going to have a ton of uh, thoughts on Weekend racing from Tampa Bay Downs We're going to talk with Ren Carruthers about their Saturday stakes races We're also going to bounce around the Saturday stakes I believe there's a few at Gulfstream Santa Anita, Oaklawn Park So we'll have all of that covered for you here This weekend on the next episode Of That's What G Said Podcast it is time to jump in To talking about WandaVision One of our new favorite shows But First, a word from OldSmokeClothing.com. Old Smoke Clothing, horse racing t-shirts, hats, zip-ups, quality clothing, hoodies, tank tops, long sleeve shirts. You can make custom designs of whatever you want. You can check out the special collections. Show the horse racing fan in you. T-shirts and Bob Baffert, Tis the Law, Midnight Bisu, Authentic, She Dares the Devil. That promo code G-I-N-O gets you free shipping on your order from Old Smoke Clothing. Dot com. Tim Kelly back with us again. This time we're all caught up now, so we only have to talk about episode four from last week of WandaVision. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. We're going to talk about everything going on throughout the first four episodes of WandaVision and how it all relates to Marvel, the MCU, some characters, some thoughts on what may happen, predictions moving forward. So, WandaVision with Tim Kelly. Here we go. It's time for WandaVision on That's What G Said Podcast. We are back to talk about episode four of WandaVision titled We Introduce This Program. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Tim Kelly joins me and we are going to talk about everything that happened in episode four. We're also going to talk about how it relates to the greater MCU. We're going to talk about some maybe predictions moving forward, some of our overall thoughts. So if you aren't up to date on WandaVision, you might want to wait till you get to episode four. But the the first thing I wanted to say, Tim, to anyone that maybe is listening that didn't 
Keep going maybe you watched episode one Or maybe episode two and you said Eh I don't like the tone of this Or what is this weird sitcom stuff Please stick up until Episode four because things Really really change and we got This open and we Got a feel like it like A 30 minute Marvel movie Oh yes yes we finally uh, Realized the true potential for the Show Uh, it's starting to Pay off and uh, do so in Dividends I'd say Oh, it was it was just phenomenal. So let's get right into it. We talked about episodes one through three last week. If you're uh, if you're interested in, in heading back, Tim and I spent about an hour and a half going through all three of those episodes. Now we'll be we uh, went deep. We went deep, and now we'll be up to date, so we can take you through each episode one, weekly, one at a time, a few days after they come out, and we can uh, we can kind of watch along with you, water cooler style, like we used to do back in the day when it was uh, everybody watching must see TV or something on a Thursday or Sunday night. So um, we get right into episode four, Tim. There's no intro with a sitcom theme, no goofy, funny black and white. This is just the real life Marvel movie look. Pace and it's straight To Monica returning Mm -hmm. From the blip we're actually Seeing her particles coming back Together and she shows up In a crowded hospital it's Chaos everywhere there there's People all over the place they're returning From the snap so you've got A hospital that is now filled With all sorts of people that Just disappeared five years ago Nobody knows what's going on doctors all over the place And there were a couple like scenes That if you just stop and think about for a second Like you imagine being in a hospital room And then somebody just shows back up Like that's not anything Like not related just what a weird And what a crazy chaotic open here For this yeah the the Chaos was real and it was it was unbelievable To see that vantage point That perspective uh, to to come in on Monica Rambeau you know breathing Her first breath you know as as she returned From the snap uh, it was just the, the logistical chaos of of everyone returning all all, all at once. There, uh, it's something that you know I thought of when that snap happened. That that must be weird. Everybody coming together all, all at once, and we saw it for ourselves in in a great uh, setting too, a, a hospital setting, no less. And it it sort of sets the scene for this particular episode. Things that we got. Little feelers for in in the first three episodes. There were always mm. little scenes and moments where things got spooky. Kind of, kind of scary, mm. you know, where we were. Yeah. Going, oh, like some, this episode really has that tone, and and it starts to mm-hmm. maybe take us on a course that this this series is going to be a little darker, and even some of the things that we've heard about where some of the movies moving forward could be, like Doctor Strange coming, the next one coming up, right. could also be a little darker and a little bit more, not necessarily into horror, but definitely into more of a you know that genre. So, um. They yeah. just have done well, the psychological, a... exactly. the psychological horror of that of that moment. You know, to be Monica in that moment, you're you're leaving off on this very very uh, uh, you're 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 vulnerable. You're you're hopeful about your mother. She's she's there for you know uh, you know undergoing cancer treatment, and you're you're at she's a very low point in your her. life. Yeah, she's yeah, and, and then all mom. of a sudden you're back. It's five. It's five years later, uh, and you, there's all this chaos around you. And, and what does she find out? It, Yep, her her mom Maria Ram uh, Maria, who basically created Sword, uh, has now passed mm-hmm. away. She has yeah. died of cancer. M- Monica's really confused. She doesn't even realize that she's been gone for five years. She thinks mm-hmm. she's just been. She thinks she just fell asleep. She's uh, t- one of the doctors is like quickly informing her what is what's happened, and she's this doesn't make sense. So Monica 
right off the bat It's unfortunate because she's in the hospital With her mom who she thinks just had Some uh, successful procedure And her mom actually did this The procedure yeah. saved her mom like Gave her mom a couple extra years of living um, unfortunately Monica was gone Those years so she didn't get to spend yeah. an extra Couple years with her mom so just right off the bat There's all this loss This heavy emotion when we're Just like a minute in Into it and then boom we get the uh, The Marvel MCU yeah. intro So just a Which was completely great. Different first minute and a half Than we've seen in the other three episodes Absolutely uh, that really set the Tone seeing that Marvel Logo, the one that comes before all the films show up, that really showed us right then and there. Oh, this is a different. Uh, this is a different episode. We're getting uh, a, a different style than we got in the first three. We're in the real world, so to speak. So we now arrive at the Sword Headquarters, Sentinel mm. Weapon Observation Response Division, and Monica. Uh, who's worked there and remember her mom Basically created this place she walks in With her badge to try to get in and Her badge doesn't work at the door and One of the security guys stops her and he's kind of Being a dick to her too he's, she said I work Here yeah. well if you work here your badge would You know you right. you'd, you'd have gotten in the door It's like dude you need to, really uh, Here comes director Acting director Tyler Hayward mm-hmm. who helps her Out and kind of speeds her up but there are some interactions immediately between the two of them where he says, yeah. you know, acting director, because um, yeah. he, he there's there's going to be a little bit of awkwardness there mm-hmm. with them, because with Monica's mom being gone now, the next logical person to run sword would would have been Monica. Right. Yeah. And that was a uh, that was a great little kindness uh, and a little bit of a tidbit on his character uh, uh, tipping his hat to the, who that character was. The fact that he gave her that acting director and not just, you know, uh, not, not just that b- being the ego guy uh, calling himself the director. He was he was kind to her. He was he was le- he was dealing with the situation in a, as a friend would, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so three weeks back uh, since she since the blip, she's the first of the people mm-hmm. that have actually um Come back to work from the blip Everyone else is just like figuring out their lives And they're <laughs> I don't think like they're mentally ready to come back But she's a little different She just Got wants right to, to it. She just wants to come back and work uh, So yeah. Tyler is uh, keeping getting her up to speed on everything. Sword has changed a little bit. Uh, the the work uh, the world is not the same as you left it. He says to her, "Space is now full of unex- unexpected threats." She responds, "It always was full of threats and allies." So I mean, we just know right away like th- she is. Smart she's badass she got a good Head on her shoulders I mean she Literally vanished three weeks Later she's back and she's already like thinking Straight <laughs> right yeah Um so This is when he he kind of mentions That her mom built the place sword And that Tyler had to take over When Monica disappeared Maria got sick there was nobody else Around it was sort of by default that he took over Yeah he doesn't want there to be any awkwardness between the two of them. Um, so, you know, that's why he had mentioned acting director before. And um, mm-hmm. he says that based on her mom's previous rules, she has to be grounded for a while now after the PTSD she's probably dealing with and what she's just been through. So it, it's protocol. She has to just kind of be a chaperone and a babysitter right now. They need her to go deal with a, an FBI missing persons uh, case mm-hmm. in. Westview which we find out is in New Jersey so just um yeah 
Just some like filler here to kind of sort of set the scene a little bit, and we sort of establish the relationship between them, who who this guy really is, at sword, how this happened, wh- how he took over. It all just makes sense. It's just a few lines of uh, of dialogue just to kind of get us uh, okay, a little bit more uh, up to everything going on with them, and and then I mean there are so many great parts of this episode, but uh, immediately once we get to to Westview and we run into FBI agent mm-hmm. Jimmy Wu, Randall Park. Who is oh, just yes. one of those scene stealers He's so damn funny He's he's hilarious If you haven't seen him in some of the other stuff he, he's done you know, Like Veep is one thing where he's re- yeah. Really really great and you see him All over the place he's a stand up comedian He had a funny uh, uh, movie On Netflix last year where he Best believe I punched Keanu Reeves He, had a, he was rapping in it and <laughs> stuff He's just phenomenal so He's here and he comes out And right away what's a cool throwback to the last yes. time we saw him in Ant-Man, he's doing the card trick mm-hmm. with his fingers. He's learned it. Yeah. The one that Scott Lang taught him. Absolutely. Yeah. That was yeah. such a great little Easter egg and a nod to his character and the history there. That's the beauty of the, these shared universes. You know, we can continue with these little side characters that are gems uh, and, and bring them back and give them front row center or, or at center stage, really, uh, to kind of, you know, take the reins on the story for a little while. I, I loved it. Me too, uh, just phenomenal And then we get this um, this really weird interaction Where Monica arrives outside the town She's talking with uh, Jimmy Woo who's, who's sort of letting her know what's going, what's happening And they, they have a little conversation Before they walk over to a local cop car And this is the Eastview cops And this is this reminded me a lot of, um, of like It Like Pennywise mm-hmm. Where some people see what's going on And others don't where it's like the, right. the adults don't even notice the clown or all the weird right. stuff happening, but it, it and was over like time this, they'll forget. Yeah, that they lose part they, of the spell. Yeah, yeah. something. And, and this was very much like that because Monica mm-hmm. and and Jimmy and walk up and they see the Westview sign. I mean, you're, they're standing yeah. right in front of it. They're standing right in front of a town, and these cops are telling them that Westview does not exist. They say right. they're from Eastview. There is no Westview. And yeah. it, it's what? Like, why don't they see this? Um, right. it, it's it's Eastview just... seems to imply that the existence of a Westview, right? I mean, yeah. they're standing right next to the the sign. There were there were signs on um the free the the uh, the highway off the highway as Monica was uh, driving there that said Westview. Yep. So, as far as we can tell, there's definitely a Westview. So it's it seems like there's some type of a selective amnesia going on. Also a couple cool things that you just like really notice when they're standing in front of the Westview sign Things that I, I picked up and I was reading in some other recaps and stuff You know just the WV You know you really notice the big WV oh, for WandaVision And then in the I middle just got that And then in the middle of it right So Westview it says TV The letters mm, TV Right The end of West and then the beginning of View It's just like you just see TV So you almost see like WandaVision That's TV great. On the side yeah. and you're not even like looking for it It kind of smacks you when you rewatch a few Different times just so many little Things that they put so yeah. much freaking Time and effort into that I love You pick up on some I pick up on some Everyone else who's writing and doing recaps And stuff picks up on a few different ones here And there so uh, Jimmy um, is letting Monica Know all about the case and he tells Them that he's tried Calling all the residents in Westview he's Up to the D's at this point nobody's Answered the phone so they can't reach anyone inside And a lot of people outside Have some sort of selective amnesia Is how they refer to it We got a really yeah. cool little back and forth here Where Jimmy said 
this is not a missing persons case. This is a missing town case. Right. And Monica says, well, why haven't you walked inside to investigate? He responds, because it doesn't want me to. Um, You know, and so Monica then has to go get the drone helicopter as we're wondering why. And they're asking, why do her and Jimmy see Westview and and sense Westview and the cops that they just talked to don't? So Mm -hmm. this is like a This is a very like horror movie Type scene setup Here where like like I said It made me feel a lot of of it Oh definitely definitely And uh, I I like that um, Jimmy around that moment he he said You can feel it too And she kind of gave a a nod Nobody's supposed to go in Uh, It's like a force field or or, Mm -hmm. or something Uh, And it's, uh, it's like I think she also mentioned that uh, her, I guess her theory was that anybody that was connected to Westview, they they can't see it anymore because they're effect they're now like under the spell, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because they didn't really have a connection to Westview, they 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 can be aware of it. They weren't you know affected by the initial spell that's taken this whole town. So Monica gets a drone helicopter, and she flies the drone helicopter straight ahead, and it just disappears. It goes like yeah. right. Through the sky and then boom like Just disappears so she walks Up to the point Of where it had disappeared and She's going to investigate and she walks Up to this energy field and Jimmy He's warning her a a little bit But she reaches out And her hand goes through And now we're getting these poltergeist Like feels like In and out of the TV like when when you right. get the little girl gets sucked into the TV through the static and you're seeing her hand back and forth through the static and yeah. then all of a sudden boom Monica just gets sucked in to West yeah it, she is it in seemed like West she was Street. drawn it seemed yeah. like she was drawn towards it either through her, her like own curiosity her. she couldn't yeah. resist it yeah. yeah. It's a good way of putting it too, which is another like very scary movie tr- movie trope. The the light or something calling you that right. you're you're like forced to like all these little like underlying things that reminded me of of scary or psychological thrillers that you as you mentioned. So yeah. we now see uh, Sword twenty four hours later. They are setting up a base right outside of Westview. They're bringing in all these experts. They've got a nuclear biologist, an astrophysicist. They've got an artif- an AI person. They got a chemical engineer. And uh, right away, we uh, are uh, reintroduced to our old friend Darcy, Doctor Darcy Lewis. Now, Cat Dennings, who's another one. Like Love it. The the interactions and the chemistry between her and Randall Park, the uh, the Darcy and mm. Jimmy stuff. It's just great. They this so was good. another. People, I saw a lot of them saying you got a lot of like X Files feels here yes. with this episode too. You know, absolutely. Uh, I, like I a, saw someone clamoring for a, you know an X Files type spinoff series that just, just follows uh, Jimmy yeah. Woo. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. both of them. Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah, it's set in the MCU, that's perfect. Great, just a, a real like light, funny comedy to all of this. And what ends up happening is is just phenomenal. They they basically throughout the next little bit, and we'll go all through the specifics. They start asking all of the questions that we've been asking as viewers yes. for the last three <laughs> weeks, like everything. What the hell is going on? This is a sitcom with Avenger. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just phenomenal. And some of the lines. So Darcy shows up uh, in Westview, New Jersey, at the Sword Response Base, and she heads inside to try to figure out what is happening. The Sword, the Sword. Um, 
some of the agents, they just keep sending drones in and they yeah. just keep just vanishing. And she's sort of just laughing at them like, are you finding anything out? No. <laughs> so, you know, and she can tell yeah. this is a huge deal because there are people from and representatives of like every major department, you know, from all of the big branches of you know FBI, CIA, all these different things, all the, the major experts trying to figure out what the hell is, is happening here. And she starts to use some of her equipment, some of her tools. She picks up a ton of CMBR, cosmic microwave background radiation. She yeah, that's the energy that was created uh, part of as part of the Big Bang. Yeah. And apparently she said that she found uh, an additional signal that was kind of layered within that that she that she could kind of pinpoint. So what she needs is something that she can try to pick up the the wavelength of. She asks for an old TV so she can she can try to maybe see if she can there's some sort of a broadcast, anything going on. She can just tell there's this crazy energy happening. While this is going on, Sword is continuing to try to make contact with Westview. They want to try to find out what the hell just happened to Monica. Where is Monica Rambo? So they are sending in someone in a hazmat suit. This is the person that we see at the end of episode two who shows up through the manhole. Um, So what they want to do is basically just see if, if this person can go through the sewers and try to find Monica, try to find anything out about Westview. Jimmy, who's always a little worried, he doesn't think this is a good idea. He doesn't want to send another agent in after they've already just lost another agent. Yeah. So um, the sword is trying uh, anything they can to see what's going on. But Darcy's the only one who's really succeeding. She's able to pick up a broadcast. And, and so she is watching WandaVision. And so now we know, Tim, we see her watching episode one that we all watched in the black and white. It's like the opening scene in the kitchen and all the sword agents come over and they're watching. So now we know at the end of episode one, when we saw somebody watching WandaVision, it was Darcy. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I didn't even connect that one. That's amazing. I loved how the whole thing just kind of. Uh, it recapped what we'd already been through, but from, yep. you know, the alternate perspective. And that just gave us this new context for everything. It recontextualized the first three episodes and made it make a lot of sense. And I got to pat myself on the back just a little bit for the hazmat guy thing. Yep. I yep. hit the bullseye with right. that prediction last week. You nailed week. that one. You nailed and, that uh, one. <laughs> I loved it when I saw that. As soon You're as like I saw them, for uh, yourself. Yeah. I really did. I physically patted myself on the back uh, when I saw that on my TV. But uh, yeah, I, I loved the idea there that when, when stuff passes over uh, into Westview that it kind of changes, uh, they use the, the term production design. It, it matches the production design yeah. Yeah. Uh, of, of what's going on in there. And I thought that was just fantastic. Darcy even asks about vision. She, she sees vision in the broadcast and she says, wait, there's a lot that's happened in the last few years, but he's dead, right? He's not blipped. He's dead. So right. she, you know, why can she see him? Um, and and you know as as the um, as as Hayward and some of the other sword agents are asking more and more, she doesn't know any more than they do. The director keeps asking her questions. All that she knows is her tools picked up the CMBR and with the broadcast frequency, she plugged in the TV, and now this is what they're watching. And then we just get some hilarious stuff here, Jimmy. So you're saying the universe created a sitcom <laughs> starring two Avengers, <laughs> which is love that line, just funny as hell. And Darcy. Uh, 
Um, she sits there and she ends up watching the whole show. She's like, documenting things, and you know that's when we sort of see her, that moment where the end of episode one, and that was her watching it. So right. as the FBI and Sword are watching the broadcast now, they are putting together an investigation of all of the people they see showing up in Westview. They're trying to to match. Okay, who are these people? So this is this is another really cool. Like moment and and a, a scene that yeah. I wonder how much this has to do with with what happens moving forward because we see Mister and Mrs. Hart, Norm, um, uh, Beverly, Herb. We see some of the people that were there finding their identities, but then mm-hmm. others they don't. So that's the question that we have to ask too: is like, are the people that they put up just? People in the town that aren't don't have anything more to do, you know, they're mistaken identities. They're they're sucked in there. And then right. are there a few others, maybe someone like Agnes who wasn't up on the board that has a lot more to do with this story? Yeah, uh, they could be pulling some strings. You know, um, I think we find out uh, a little bit later. We'll, we'll we'll cover it, but I think we find out that you know Wanda is behind stuff here. But you know, are some of these people pulling her strings or pushing her in directions that you know she wouldn't be going on her own? Uh, I think that's a big question for that. And yeah, who, who knows what some of those people are? Are they victims or are they, you know, bad actors here? And I think it probably has something to do with uh, the hexagon clue. There, yeah. there was a hexagon shape that they uh, also put on the wall as part of that same montage where they were, you know, finding different, uh, you know, IDing different suspects. So I think the hexagon, and everything. Yeah. Yeah, there's something about that. Hexagons are the shapes that beehives make. I don't know if that's significant at all, but you know, there's a beekeeper. So uh, there, there's something going on there. I have to assume, uh, but uh, only time will tell. I think. So uh, now Darcy freaks out because she notices that Monica is on the TV. They're watching WandaVision, and now Monica Rambo shows up. And Jimmy's there yeah. with her. Um, she doesn't look to be harmed, but she doesn't seem. She seems like she's a normal part of the town. She doesn't look like she's like they. Yeah. They they're asking, you know, is is she playing along, deep cover? And then he says, yeah. playing along with who, with what? Right. Is this an alternate reality, time travel, social experiment? <laughs> it's a sitcom. Yeah, she's she's in character. Yeah, she's totally in character, doesn't seem to be putting it on as far as we can tell. She just seems like a character in that world. It reminded me of, you know, a spell or uh, I, I think of um, Buffy and Angel. They use the term glamour, a glamour. So I, I feel like that could be it could be something like that. Um, yeah. Just just so cool, because these are, again, like all the questions that we've been asking. Like just right. everything we've been asking, like what's happening? Are they stuck? Is this time travel? Alternate reality? Why is sitcom? It's just great, great stuff for right. for Marvel to be so aware of just, hey, we're gonna sort of roll this out slow the first three episodes, and for any of you who are gonna complain, like immediately in episode four, we're gonna just make you feel like you need to shut up because <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna exactly. do like a lot of the things that you were wanting us to do. We just this is not a movie. This is a show. So you got to remember, mm-hmm. it's like a little bit slower of a pace, and it's a longer, drawn out thing. Um, so now, now uh, Darcy wants to send a signal to Wanda through a radio and see if they can connect with Wanda in Westview. So they actually see on the footage Wanda find the drone helicopter in color. So what yeah. what the next plan is is Darcy 
Sends a signal to the radio in Westview Which we see in episode 2 when they're at Dottie's place for the talent show committee meeting And this is when Monica Shows up on the broadcast again And she introduces herself as Geraldine She didn't even really know why like why Or who or that, that she was Geraldine And right. remember when we're watching Episode 2 we hear On the radio and it's Jimmy we didn't know whose voice it was We just heard somebody talking through the radio This is actually the plan that Darcy and Jimmy have to try to connect with Wanda. So we're seeing now we're we're on the outside seeing things that we saw in episodes one, two, and three as he's saying, Wanda, Wanda, can you hear me? Read can you read me? Wanda, Wanda, Wanda. Who is doing, Who's doing this, this to you, Wanda? I'm here yeah. to help. Yeah, that was uh I, that part gave me chills to be honest, uh, seeing it from from that perspective. There were a lot of moments throughout the episode where Literally, they just tipped their hat at where they were going with it, and then you just go, "Oh, that was that moment from last episode," and it, it just it all clicks together. I mean, as soon as or earlier in the episode when Monica took out the the drone, I, as soon as you see it, you're like, "Oh, that's got to be what that toy helicopter was," and this was that moment. As soon as you see him fiddling with the the um, the radio, you just know, "Oh, it's gonna be that moment when they they broke through." That's how that happened. It was it was him all along. It was. Agent Wu on the radio I should have recognized his voice That was the, the other thing I thought I, I, How did I not recognize his voice the first time And what what ends up happening now um, um, Darcy's watching the broadcast While Agent Wu is trying to connect with Wanda And it looks yeah. like for a minute or two like You can see when Wa- that Wanda sort of hears something and And then all of a sudden, boom It just skips yep. It's just like we've seen. It's like some it, the, the, that scene. We don't see the scene with her and Dottie where where it gets intense, where Dottie breaks the glass and right. she says, "Who are you?" And Wanda, you know, we don't even see any of that back and forth. That's just gone, just completely yeah. removed. So Darcy doesn't see that. Agent Wu doesn't see that, and and it's just the show skipping, which yeah is you know now we're like okay now the broadcast from this end. Is different. So Jim, at the moment, Jimmy and Darcy decide to give up. Um, there, they go back and end up watching the broadcast. But the sword agent in the hazmat suit gets to the the point of that energy force at the perimeter of Westview, basically, where he's in the sewer, and he goes through it. And when he does, the harness that had been connecting him to the sword agents just falls right off of him. So he has yeah. pushed his way through the energy force He has pushed his way into Westview And we see him arrive up through the manhole in Westview It was the very end of episode 2 When Wanda and Vision were out front They heard a noise And Wanda did the no And she snapped and then she rewound it But we we don't This is never seen by the sword agents They never see him in WandaVision Which is right. Again it's like wow So they they don't see what we're seeing. There's so many levels to this. Yeah, and I love that we get to see that moment of transition. It's 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 showing us that I think for the first time, uh, really that that uh, when something passes through that barrier, how it changes, like the production design of it. Because as he's halfway through, you know, one half of him is this beekeeper, and the other half is the the hazmat, and it just kind of it's as as he crosses that threshold that it that it somehow magically changes. So now the broadcast they're watching and they're they're just kind of like la- the commentary that they have um, the Randall Park, Cat Dennings, and some of the sword agents have when they're in there. 
are is literally the commentary that all of us watching this show right. the last few weeks have had. Like, very meta. This, bro- this broadcast has moved from the fifties to the sixties and seventies. Why does it keep switching time periods? Like, they're just asking. Yeah. Like, you know, all they're asking things- this. Yeah, the central mysteries of the show are the central mysteries to those characters too. So they're really they're like a, a conduit for us, you know. They they're uh they're kind of living on our behalf inside that world. So we're up to the point now where it's towards the end of episode three that the agents are watching Wanda about to have the kids with Monica, quote unquote Geraldine helping her out in the house. Uh, and just so many of these fun interactions with Randall Park and Kat Dennings again they're just phenomenal yeah. they just they just really steal this entire episode together and and as they're kind of laughing and eating chips and talking about how into the broadcast they are Jimmy and Darcy hear Monica say the name Ultron on right. the broadcast to Wanda and Wu immediately stops and questions that did she just say the name Ultron has that ever happened before a reference to our reality which is like a goosebump Moment now too like Hairs on your arm standing up because now They're watching this and Realizing okay There's like Wanda maybe Isn't trapped maybe she's doing this And then yeah as soon as it Gets awkward again Boom no awkwardness End of the broadcast we go to the credits it's Wanda and Vision sitting on the on the chair We don't get any of their Uh Awkward interaction we don't even yeah. get anything With Vision coming back in and talking to Wanda Afterwards it just skips that Part immediately and uh, And Agent Wu And Darcy are trying to rewind the broadcast They're trying to see what they missed They can't find it anytime There's one of those intense Situations with Wanda where she Skips through or where she rewinds They don't get to see any of it But we do this time Tim we actually do yeah. get to see what happened with her and with Monica yes, Rambo, quote unquote, Geraldine. And uh, right, right as um, Agent Wu and Darcy are watching that the program, and that you know it gets cut off and everything. Right after that, an alarm goes off too. So oh, the, yeah. the, the tension's very high, and and uh, that that just adds to it right in that moment. We're wondering what the hell just happened. But yeah, we we do get to see that that moment, and I'm glad we did because you know I really wanted to see what the hell happened last time around, but. We're brought back into the world uh, with Wanda and with um, with Monica, and they're having their their uh, their confrontation, so to speak. And I love this moment where we're back in TV land, right? We're in that it four by flipped. three. Yeah, we but went all from of a sudden, watching the Avengers to we're back in yes. like WandaVision immediately. Yes, but then, but only for a moment, really, yep. because it shows it shows that we're back in that world, and then. Within that world, it starts to stretch widescreen again. So it's like visually telling us that, yes, we're in that world, but now this is real. This is the real stuff. Uh, the artifice is stripping away. It's so yeah. incredible. And I had no, like you, you said it better than I would have, but it's just something that's so apparent where you see when they, they, they flash back to WandaVision, and for a second, it's just that look like it was in, in the episodes that we've watched as viewers. And then instantly, no, this is real. This is. What's happening in Westview, but this is real now time, like Avengers style pace again and everything. You know, like this is yeah, it's fantastic the way they're able to 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 do this. And we get the the scene where Wanda and Monica, um, we, we didn't get last week sort of the middle part. She Wanda yeah. says, Who are you, uh, Monica? I don't know. She asks Monica, how does she know about Ultron? And Wanda, uh, she says, you are not my neighbor, you are not my friend, you are a stranger, an outsider, mm-hmm. and right now you are trespassing. 
And as so she's good. saying this slow and scary, she is powering yes. up. She's getting everything ready. And right now, I want you to leave. And mm-hmm. with that power burst, she sends Monica through the walls of the house, through other houses, all the way through out of Westview, right to the end of the energy shield, and literally just deposits it to her. Like on the outside mm-hmm. of Westview, it is a like an action sequence, just like right out of any one of these big Marvel movies. It's really incredible. Yeah. What an incredible moment! Uh, first off, how did Monica survive that? She must be very tough. Uh, uh, we get to see that angle uh, from last time of you know how she got deposited back in the real world, and it was. 10 times rougher than I even had it pictured. I'm, I'm in my head. I'm thinking it's just a portal. She gets moved and, you know, some force, but man, she literally flew through multiple walls, hundreds of yards. Uh, it looked like that would have broken anybody's neck crazy. But um, the real thing that stood out to me in that moment was that performance uh, from, I'm sorry, what Elizabeth Olsen. Okay. She just keeps surprising me throughout this whole series. And I, I don't know why I'm still surprised because just one she's incredible. time after time, she's just incredible in this. The amount of sadness, fear, and just blood-curdling rage that she kind of channeled in this one moment and, uh, and the, the special effects that they included in it uh, to, to highlight her powers, it just worked so perfectly together. Uh, and that you, there was a moment right after it happens where she – kind of comes to her senses she feels sad about it maybe even regretful she doesn't want to be a bad person or a a villain she undoes everything with her magic she fixes it all and she goes back into you know her tv fantasy world and and you um gave a a a little a bit of info last week which i think anyone that's just watching this it's literally 15 minutes so you'll love it throw on those little uh legends uh, episodes that tim mentioned on disney plus there's seven minutes about each character honestly and all it does is it's just a compilation of their history throughout all the marvel movies and so it gives you just where did wanda show up for the first time all the stuff that she's been through this is a woman who has been troubled man she has had Mm -hmm. like a tough tough life she's not a bad person she wants to do what's best she just wants to live a normal life and every she feels like everyone's trying to take that away from her and, and that's that's where she when she snaps and that's when she you know does things that are evil and we see uh we see Monica lying on the floor unconscious and we're back into the outside of Westview um but right before that we get maybe one of the like the creepier scenes um vision walks Oof. back in as Wanda is cleaning up her mess and she makes everything go back to normal. We don't really see Vision very much though. It's just sort of off in the background. It's, it, we can't really get a good look. He's out of focus. Yeah. He's out of focus too. The next time he walks back in, Vision is now the dead version of Vision. What he looks like after Thanos had taken the stone right out of his head. He's lifeless, he's gray. And Wanda actually sees him as that for a moment. So now we've got all these questions like, is her, like, is this some sort of, like, her, is her, like, power slipping? Is she not able to control this all the time? Is this just, like, the emotion coming over? Is some, there, and then there's other, a, a bunch of other, like, uh, uh, interesting hypothesis out there as if, like, this might be a different person, a, a completely different, you know, superhero in this play. I mean, there's a lot of ways you can yeah. go with this, but 
Um, it was I, again on the the theme of this episode, scary to see like a lifeless, dead vision, and even his like voice was a little slower. Even you know when he was talking, it was right. just it was creepy. It's creepy. It was it was super creepy. It, it was a very effective jump scare too. It was all done in the editing back and forth. You're kind of brought back to this moment of normalcy a little bit. You know, Wanda just undid all of her damage. She goes uh, back to the kids for a moment too. She has a little moment where yeah. she 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 gets recentered. She goes back to the kids and she lets out a little smile. So it's like you get the sense that okay, she found her her centered her her happy place again. She's leaning back into this fantasy world. Uh, the children are a big aspect of that. Uh, and then you have uh, Vision enter in that background. She goes to talk to him, and then when it cuts back to him, that it's it's a it goes from like a like a long shot to a kind of a close up, and that close up is just as shocking to her as it is to the audience. I mean, I I, I gasped when I saw it, and uh, she has a character. She looks away; she can't look at it. Yeah, and she looks back. He's he's totally normal. He's it's back to normal. Great, it's a great moment. You 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 feel like you've seen a moment like that in a lot of scary movies before, but this just had an underpinning of, of real emotionality to it uh, just because of this is, this is her dead love right here. And we know that it's true. Uh, We don't know exactly what's going on. Is this just like, like you were saying, is it somebody pretending to be vision? Is it just, is it, she, she created a fake vision and then it's reminding her of what the reality of it is. And that's just shocking and super sad. Uh, But at the, at the end of the day, it's like, this is, this is the core of why, Wanda is where she is right now. This loss of vision and uh, being confronted with it in that moment is like the the worst thing that she could have seen it at that moment because she was so vulnerable. Uh, and it just reminded her of the the bleak, stark reality that she was living in. So Vision tells Wanda that uh, they don't have to stay. They can go wherever they want. And Wanda very, you know, uh, like smiling, but in like a... Like a smile seriously way, you know, like a kind of like a creepy, like, no, we can't. Yeah, a little sinister. This is yeah. our home. Don't worry, darling. I have everything under control. That's the and, line right there. Yeah, That's the line. It's a big yeah. answer moment, right? Because what have yep. we been asking so far? One of the central Who's in control? Mysteries. Yep. Right. And she just told us. So. And yeah, that was, again, I'm just getting goosebumps talking about it too. Yeah. I have everything under control. So we then see Monica. She wakes up outside of Westview. She's like shaking. Um, she sees Agent Wu and she says, Wanda, Wanda, it's all Wanda. And uh, and we just we flash back to WandaVision. Wanda and Vision each grab one of the kids to sit down as the happy family. They decide what they're going to watch for TV tonight. What are we going to watch? But uh, we get like a another little moment where... As Wanda's trying to make everything so happy and, and play everything off like it's great, she walks off with the with the first twin, and we see Vision. He's noticing things, right? Well, mm. He's noticing something's off, something's wrong. He doesn't say anything. He knows how important this is to his wife, but there's he, he's he's sensing that things are not perfect here, and and that's that's why he mentioned they can go wherever they want before. The last thing we see of this episode is Wanda and Vision on the couch with the twins. I mean, 
Tim, we yep. got switching perspectives. We got the introduction, uh, the reintroduction of uh, you know of of Jimmy and, and Darcy, Agent Wu, and uh, and, and Doctor so Darcy now, who were phenomenal. We got that hospital panic opening scene that was like almost a Walking Dead ish kind of panic and stuff. Um, yeah. There was a lot and some awesome stuff in this episode. Absolutely. I mean, going back to that first uh, that first scene, that was like must see MCU right there uh, that the you know the 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 hospital scene like that is so important to the canon I think that seeing that angle on it, it it answers so many questions about the logistics of what the hell happened when Hulk did his snap and undid Thanos's snap you know um and then uh I would be remiss to not mention that it closed out with a banger of a song Jimi Hendrix Voodoo Child Voodoo which Child. Is so appropriate oh, oh, for a witch perfect uh and I loved how that moment too. It also kind of recenters the show, right? We, we've taken this detour into the real world. Now we're going back to WandaVision. The aspect ratio returns to that four by three kind of squarish TV aspect ratio. And what do we see? We see WandaVision and, and the family. They're sitting just opposite us. They're looking into the TV. Like we're on opposite sides of the same TV almost. By the way, that the where the camera is, and yeah. we're it's it's a the the. The show is telling us we're going back to TV world now. We're gonna we're going back there, and it's very clear. So I can't wait to see what's happening. Is it going to be the eighties next? Are we going to be late seventies? Is it going to be like yeah, like it was the first couple? Are we going to get like a full eighties episode? Are we going to go bouncing right. back and forth, everyone from inside for the eighties and then outside right. to see what what Sword is doing? There are just so many ways they can go. But the one thing yeah. I think we realized is that with with Kevin Feige. We are in great hands. Like we trust yeah. him. It's it's very similar to how I feel with the Star Wars like universe now and everything they've been doing with with Favreau right. and and uh, and how they how well they've been doing with all that stuff. It's just totally. I trust them that they're telling a good story. So even if there's an episode here or there that you may be a little down on, or maybe it doesn't it doesn't like hit you in the face and and really excite you as much as the others, it's all part of this big big story they're telling now. And every yeah. time we get more information about the story, we go back. Just like we said last week, now going back and watching episodes one, two, and three, after knowing everything we know in episode four, there's like a million things you start pointing out and going, oh, okay, I get oh, that, I get that, I get this. Yeah, it's it's so rewatchable. Uh, I, I just love that about it. And um, yeah, there was some other really great stuff in here. I, I, you mentioned earlier uh, that uh, Darcy had, had become Doctor. And I thought that was such a great moment uh, for her to kind of specify that because it shows, you know, how she's grown across the epi- the 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 movies that we haven't seen her in, you know. And it sh- it also was very timely too because of the recent criticisms of uh, Doctor Jill Biden that it had been happening in the media recently <laughs> You're right. for you know using Doctor in her name. But That's I thought that I, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but I, I definitely took note of that. And you also you 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 brought in Star Wars and kind of compared it to that. I think that's the best comparison that you can make right now uh, because there's two opposite comparisons that you can draw from there we want to look at the star wars sequels that's an example of the opposite of what we're talking about that's you can kind of clearly see in the star wars sequels uh no offense to jj abrams there's a lot of good stuff going on in in those movies um but you could tell that it wasn't a coherent plan from beginning to end that they were kind of winging it at least in part 
with the Mandalorian, we can see that, you know, Dave Filoni and John Favreau, they have a blueprint in place. Maybe yep. they'll adjust it a little bit here and there, but, you know, it's going places and we're building to something. WandaVision is absolutely that. And like you said, there can be those slower episodes that you might call them. You might not appreciate them as much, you know, in between the big heavy hitter episodes, but they are building to something as well. They are very rewatchable, especially once you once you get into the later episodes, like this fourth episode really recontextualizes everything else about one through three. I think it would be great to go back and rewatch those. They're short episodes too, so it's yeah. like, I have no and, problem. And the you know? long credits, like you said, there's seven minutes <laughs> so of true. credit scenes, and there's not like a scene that you're waiting for either. There's not like mm-hmm. you, you always get used to that like end credit scene. So we keep they they we kind of feel yes. like they're teasing us every time. Like there's going to be one. There hasn't been. So they're short, and I'm short and I'm glad yeah. it it just made me feel like, like I said this earlier, but they're so self aware. This was mm-hmm. they they knew when they put this show together that they they probably couldn't go. For seven episodes of doing a black and white show Or just being in that WandaVision Westview world Without like Asking the questions that we saw The sword agent asks all the Asking all the questions that we've had They just get it And I'm I'm really yeah. glad that They had this episode as episode four Because you know guys like you and I We were going to watch this all the way through And we're going to watch all the stuff that comes out Because we love it But for some of the people that may have been like on the fence Or I don't know how many more I'm going to stay through I, can, I can't imagine very many people that watched episode 4 And that said, okay, I'm not in anymore You know, like right. this, this one If you were on the fence This one definitely brought you back in and said Okay, yeah, we're going to actually get them In, in the MCU world at some point Yeah, it, pay, it pays it off it, It's Proof positive that they were building towards something. They have a very high concept thing going on here, a story that they're trying to tell. And uh, it took those first three episodes to lay that groundwork and to really do something different. Uh, And this high concept story allowed them to kind of go into that place in a way that was organic and do things uh, uh, storytelling wise that you really can't do uh, in, you know, nine out of 10 stories. But this was a very specific, particular thing where it's grounded in the reality and the sci-fi uh, details and it, it's allowing for us to play in this weird meta waters of you know uh, the universe creating an Avengers sitcom. I mean, really, that's what that's what we're experiencing right now, in one way or another. Whether a bunch of writers and producers got together and made it in our world or, or not, the universe did somehow coalesce to create this very strange, quirky, but totally original and entertaining. Uh, a TV show for us So uh, I'm super stoked to see episode 5 I think we're halfway through right We're yeah. I'm, I'm expecting like an 8 episode run yep. uh, What they can do in these last 4 episodes uh, I mean sky's the limit I'm wondering you know Does it end at the 80s Are we going to go all the way to the you know 2000s Where where does the, the timing of it stop Is it going to bring it all the way up to current uh, You know are other are other characters going to show up that are familiar mm-hmm. to us? Maybe Doctor Strange, maybe Quicksilver, uh, Pietro, her, her long-lost twin. Uh, I can't wait to see what we have in store. Uh, it's so exciting. This was a huge week in the world of WandaVision, and we're very lucky to have Tim Kelly joining us uh, to talk about these episodes each and every week here on That's What G Said podcast. So we will be back again next week to discuss episode five. We'll give you a few days to watch it before we come on here, recap it, and uh, and then a few days uh, before uh, the, the next one will drop each and every week. Tim, um, another awesome uh, conversation with you. If you have anything to plug out there, let us know where we can follow you online on social media. 
Thank you so much. I had a great time again. I can't wait to do it again next week with you. Uh, you can follow me on uh, Twitter and Instagram uh, at Tim is not funny. Uh, and check out uh, my music project, Ice Cream Fire, anywhere you can stream music. And as you've heard on this show, Tim is quite funny and uh, does a damn <laughs> good job with, with these recaps helping us out. TK, buddy, I love catching up with you. We'll talk again next week and uh, look forward to seeing what WandaVision Episode 5 has for us. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Do not go anywhere, folks. We will be right back. Plenty more on That's What G Said podcast. Big thanks to TK, Tim Kelly He does such a great job uh, really uh, Picking up things in WandaVision That I don't see or sort of complimenting Some of the, uh, the the thoughts that I'm just like Starting and I'm just like scratching the surface On but I don't have some of the capacity uh, To kind of continue down the, the Thought train that Tim does, he does a great job Love talking WandaVision With TK, Tim Kelly will be back Next week to talk about episode 5 And then after WandaVision, we're going to have a ton more Marvel stuff to continue uh, to uh, chat about with movies and shows coming up all throughout the year and moving forward. Let's get into the wrestling part of this episode. It was the Royal Rumble 2021. Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocali, who always talk old wrestling rewatch with me, they were kind enough to join me to give some thoughts about what happened uh, over the weekend in the Royal Rumble. So we're going to recap the Rumbles. We'll talk about both Rumbles, some of the undercard matches. We spend about 30 minutes going uh, over everything that happened this past weekend in the Royal Rumble. On the heels of the 2021 Royal Rumble, had to get the boys from the old wrestling rewatch back to uh, discuss some of our uh, our Thoughts, things we liked, things we didn't like And just what went down last week Just a few days ago, we are recording this on Tuesday night, so the Royal Rumble was on Sunday evening, and then Monday night Raw Monday night, so we got to see uh, Some things sort of move forward and maybe get an idea Of where we will be headed Darren Zocali, Andrew Champagne Join me, we talk about The 2021 Royal Rumble Two Royal Rumbles, guys, and uh, DZ, I think for me At least, I thought the show the the results of the show all make a lot of sense the the royal rumble winners and and even like what happened at the end um i i enjoyed i just think there were some parts throughout the rumble that didn't make a lot of sense there were some people that we may have been expecting to have big runs that may have kind of head scratchingly been just de- eliminated in a nondescript manner so maybe some some things about how we uh how we prepared the meal but i guess the overall Finish and the product like I was entertained With the show and I don't mind Either of the rumble winners and where We'll be moving forward so in that sense I was okay with everything Yeah I I actually completely agree um, With with your sentiments so Essentially I Am pleased with the End results I'm just not thrilled with how We got there Um, I thought the show was Okay Uh, I guess maybe because it's such a big show um, each year, maybe I was expecting a little bit too much. And, and while still forgetting that we are in the midst of a pandemic and there's still not a live crowd there, and maybe WWE is not going to do certain things that they might have done had there been, you know, 40,000 people at Tropicana Field or wherever, you know, the Royal Rumble was going to be. Um, you know, uh, there's a few things that, that bothered me throughout the night. Um, the Roman Reigns match I thought was excellent until the end. Uh, the handcuffs, yeah, yeah, which is unfortunate because it was nobody's fault. Those guys worked their asses off. Yeah. It just was a. It's funny, and I was thinking about that too. We will get to Andrew in just one second, just to piggyback on that point. Is like, 
I, I so much would prefer those kind of things to not be like leaned upon to play a heavy role in a match because like think of just in pure like muscle memory and in pure how often do KO and Roman go out there and wrestle and do their thing every day all right. the time. How right. often is Heyman messing around with handcuffs in a really like pressure patch situation like that? Right. Like right. not often, right? I just trust yeah. them going out there and and having a a tear it down match more than needing something like that as a crutch to rely on. So I completely agree. I think that's one of the things that unfortunately stood out throughout the night. We can get to uh, more of that in in just a second. Andrew, what were some of uh, your overall observations? Good rule of thumb here, guys. Handcuffs should never be used in two places. In a wrestling match or in the bedroom. I knew you were going there. You'll, you'll, you'll be a lot happier in life if you follow those that one simple axiom. I, I, don't, now, I don't know, Andrew. Don't hate the play. I hate the I game. Was say. <laughs> as I as I was saying, I now, think Andrew may have had a bad experience that we we may have to hear about off uh, off the show, DZ. <laughs> I've made a terrible mistake. Um, anyway, um, as I was saying, kidding aside. That last man standing match up until the finish might be my favorite last man standing match ever. I hate that stipulation with a passion that is very difficult to describe because it is very difficult to do it in a way that isn't gimmicky. You have these two guys who are both tremendous workers. Just let them work. Don't attach some ridiculous stipulation where you're bringing forklifts and handcuffs, and God knows what else into the equation. Sometimes it's creative. Most of the time it isn't. And before we go any further, can we talk about the golf cart? (laughs) Which, Which is funny. So... You know, because AEW recently has used the golf cart in uh, in one of their Poor big matches. Sammy Guevara. You know, so so then what ended up happening is the WWE uh, Twitter account ended up on I think Monday pulling footage of Kane using a golf cart back in like 2002, just to say, oh look, we actually did this first, like 15 years before, 18 years before, like you are claiming to have done it. It was just a. I, I thought, don't care. I thought it was you just know funny. That wasn't the reason they did. I know. I know. Now, they yeah. did it well. I give Reigns and Owens a lot of credit because that was a great match up until the finish. It was by far my favorite match of the night. The women's rumble. I thought was lousy up until the last five minutes. The men's rubble wasn't bad, wasn't great. I have no problem with the winner, but the way we got there was, it, it was fair to middling. It's nothing I'd ever go back and rewatch. But as far as the winners go, Belair winning the women's and Edge winning the men's, I'm fine with that. I don't want to say I'm overly enthusiastic, but they were logical. So we talked about the one, uh, Title match between uh, KO and and Roman and I mean I think It's unfortunate because Kevin Owens is doing Some of the best work of his career right now And he's just running into a buzzsaw That can't be beat like you just you can't Beat Roman right now but it it, it, it Stinks because I'd like to see Like if if this was a time when Roman wasn't so hot this might have been A time that, that they looked around and said hey Maybe Kevin is right for a run right now Because he is really like catching fire His work has been incredible his mic work is great So I'm glad we talked about that and Gave him some props for that match because it was really good And Roman just continues to look as Badass as, as he always should Have looked like this should have been Roman Reigns all along and we would. Before we get away from yeah. it, I just want to add one thing. So I actually thought 
when I was watching it with two of my friends, I thought that the ending of that match, I actually thought that they were very creatively planning something because there was a moment backstage in that match where the Money in the Bank briefcase just happened to be randomly... A, you, you said that in our chat, on a, yeah. ...on a table. Like, and, and, I, and I saw that for a second, and I thought to myself, hmm, okay, you know, kind of like an Easter egg. Like, they just kind of stuck it there for you to notice. Then when KO was down and Roman is handcuffed, I thought Miz was about to come out. And pin KO or, do, you know, or just like, or, or, it wouldn't or be a pin. Get yeah. I thought they were going to do something. So I started to say, oh, maybe maybe there's a reason that these handcuffs are, are, are stuck. And I was waiting for it to happen. And it just it just never did. So it's unfortunate because they worked their asses off. It was nobody's fault. But I, I thought they were actually planning something to happen there. And believe it or not, they, they actually, you know, they got me with that. Uh, even though it was probably completely unintentional. Yeah, moral of the story, last man standing stipulation does way more harm than good. It's just hard. It's just really hard. I prefer, like, if you want to have an ending blow-off match, give me a Hell in a Cell. There's, give me a TLC. There's just a, a different way. Give me an I Quit match. Sure, that's even, sake. yeah, that's even a little bit better than, than the having to count to 10 because it just slows everything down so much. Um, so the other... The one positive, Darren, that you and I can come out of this Royal Rumble with is that we didn't get a Goldberg win in a title Boo! match, and we didn't get Lesnar showing Boo! up at the end. So what they did with this match with Goldberg and Drew was exactly what I think was was as much as they could do. Goldberg just can't go anymore, unfortunately. And he, he actually he sort of looked at, out of shape. He probably looked... I guess maybe as bad and which for his age is still phenomenal, but he looked about as bad as we've seen him look that. And that's the problem with a guy like Goldberg is even compared to someone like Ric Flair, who Ric Flair was fine looking flabby, you know, like that, that, that wasn't really a whole lot different than he looked when he was in fantastic shape uh, with someone like Goldberg, who was the big menacing guy. When he looks a little bit off, it just, Sort of starts to mess with it, the mystique of Goldberg um, But at least I wasn't offended by this Because they just kept it quick And I actually like the idea of just get it out of the way So you can just kind of move on from it and, and have like the rest of the show to look forward to So I'm glad they didn't do anything crazy They didn't do anything cute and try to have Drew lose this and Sheamus get involved there We saw Sheamus come the next night I'm glad they waited for that and didn't have Sheamus get involved and have Goldberg win the title, and then it would be Sheamus and Drew in a feud underneath that. At least they did what they were supposed to do here. Yeah, I mean, the silver lining, if you really want to see it, is that Goldberg didn't win. Um, but the thing for me is I just don't need to see Goldberg. Anymore. I, I just don't. I mean, and, and listen, I understand he's, a, he's a, a big name from, you know, from, from years ago in the Monday Night Wars, and I, listen, I, I admit I was never a Goldberg fan to begin with. And they well, they caught lightning when he came back for the video game a few years ago. The yeah, first time he came back after that elongated trip, I didn't even mind putting the belt on him then because his stuff with Brock was pretty good. The people were behind him. It was like a good survive, like Survivor Series to Mania type run, and then that should have been it. Yep, Andrew. Uh, like, like my view on this is simple. The guy was a larger than life you know, figure who beat the hell out of everybody, looked like he was chiseled out of stone. That was his thing. He's now clearly old. The, and I'm not saying he's out of shape by human standards, but he's just not what Goldberg is supposed to be. And at this point, having him come in, look like that, 
and make him a legitimate threat to Drew McIntyre, who, for all intents and purposes, looks like an Irish Adonis at this point. It's just kind of dumb, and I just don't need to see it, regardless of the fact that the right guy won. Where's your guys' sense of adventure? Oh, I mean, yeah, didn't you guys want to see big world champion Goldberg striding into WrestleMania, you know, with the flab hanging off of his, you know, usually toned body? Come on, guys. Now, kidding aside, first of all, let's not forget Goldberg is in his 50s, and he yeah. is in far better shape at that age than I am now. Oh, so, sure. Let's just throw that out there. So, yeah, they got this right, kidding aside. Uh, there's no way McIntyre should have uh, jobbed here. They got the best they were going to get, and I co-signed with you guys in that I don't think Goldberg ever should have come back after the loss to Brock at WrestleMania. I thought that was the perfect career arc for him. I thought, hey, guy got a main event run. His son got to see him wrestle. Okay, he can go off into the sunset now. And then he didn't. And then Saudi now, Arabia. Yeah, I mean, now to be fair, if you're Goldberg and the Saudi Arabian prince is throwing tens of millions of dollars of oh, blood I agree. money at you for I a five-minute match and a plane ride back and forth, you know what? I get it. I'm not saying I agree with it, and there's a whole bunch of Saudi politics that we're just not going to talk about. But I get it. The problem is, how are we even in this situation at this point? Thankfully, Drew did go over. Drew Sheamus as a feud, though, absolutely no buys. I'm sorry, Sheamus should not be a main eventer. I Upper mid-carder at most. Personally, if Edge goes and challenges Roman, give me McIntyre and Owens for the other title. Have Owens show up on Raw, start stunning people until he gets a title shot. Tell me why that can't work. Yeah, I think they were they were hoping, holding out on Cena is the one that I had heard that they were thinking that it was going to be able it was going to be Cena to come and be able to put over Drew at Mania. But I just don't think Cena is going to be able to with his schedule and the movies no. and everything. It just doesn't it doesn't work with him and The Rock. They you know they always want them because they you, they can slot them in so nice. And the way that everything was written with Roman this year, it was written for The Rock to be the guy to come back and say, "Hey, who's the head of the table?" Here, you know, like I'm the head of the table, but it doesn't like, first of all, why would you bury your everyday star like Roman? And second of all, the rock's not going to be able to do that. It's just, he's not, he wouldn't be able to come and be around long enough to actually build, like finish or fulfill that storyline. Well, if I may interject really quick, I don't think it would be burying Roman at all. I think Roman would go over clean as a sheet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and that, and that would be the right way to do it. It would just, yeah, and if and Rock finally eventually say, okay, you are the man, and they, and there's respect, and Roman's maybe not like the evil heel anymore. That's sort of like his his turn, like full coming full circle. And moment. you bring back Brock Lesnar for rematch number seventy three. <laughs> Precisely. Now we're cooking with there gas, Darren. There I we go. You finally getting on the bus. There <laughs> we go. Let's spend a minute or t- a couple of minutes on each of the rumbles, just with overall thoughts. So, in the women's Royal Rumble, here we he we went. Number one, Bailey, Naomi, Bianca, Billy Kay, Shotzi Blackheart, Shayna Baszler, Tony Storm, Jillian Hall, Ruby Riot, Victoria, Peyton Royce, Santana Garrett, Liv Morgan, Rhea Ripley, Charlotte, Dana Brooke, Tori Wilson, Lacey Evans, Mickey James, Nikki Cross, Alicia Fox, Mandy Rose, Dakota Kai, Carmella, Tamina, Lana, 
Alexa, Ember Moon, Naya, Natty. Okay, so for me, um, obviously, I thought the end sequence with this was very good. I loved the stuff when it got down to even the three with Charlotte because I, the, the, I thought the the use of Charlotte in this match was one of the best things they did in the match. Perfect. You have Charlotte be there in the final three or four every year. She never really needs to win this thing anymore, but she always can be a great tease because people don't want her to win. And then you give the opportunity to two girls like this who were primed to win. We all thought that it could be Bianca or Rhea if we weren't going to get a a a Becky or a Ronda, you know, or or some sort of big surprise like that. I loved when it came down to them too, and I think with those two, I think the right one went over in that. I want to see a little bit more from Rhea on the main roster. I think they still have a little bit to go with with building her. Who is Rhea? Get, tell us her story a little, just like they've been doing with Bianca the last few months. So I liked a lot of that. Um, there were just so many things throughout that I, I I scratched my head about. You know, like the Alexa Bliss involvement here. She felt like one of the favorites heading in. She just beat Oscar on Raw clean a few weeks ago. She was about to beat Oscar again on Raw before Orton RKO's her. She's in this match for two sec, like literally seconds, and then she's eliminated. It that that made no sense to me. DZ there, I'm and I mean I guess that was probably like the most the the thing that stood out most to me about this match. Um, I I, I personally was glad. Whether or not you like the Lana Naya story At least they put a bow on it And at least they finished something That they had been building for a while And so I'm I'm glad they did that in, in that sense And it doesn't like hurt Naya And we, we've talked about how we, we don't love Naya anyway So I could care less about that But uh, um, what were some of your overall Women's Rumble thoughts Anything specific DZ that jumped out at you You liked, you didn't like Well, you know, generally speaking um, I think And I'm, I'm, I don't want to be too rough on them but I, I don't think any of the last three women's Royal Rumbles have come close to the first one. And and, and I'm not just saying it in terms of anticipation. I'm just talking about it from an overall performance. Execution. Standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that, that irks me a little bit. Um, as far as the match, there was just a lot of filler in there. A lot of filler in there. A lot of women that you knew had absolutely no chance whatsoever of winning the match. Even like the... You know, even the the women that you brought back from, you know, days gone by were not women. You know, if you would have brought in Trish Stratus, you, I could have said, okay, that could happen. You know, like there, there were women you could have brought in that I could have bought. You know, they didn't bring in those kinds of women. Alexa Bliss wasn't even in there long enough for me to call her a, a contender. So there I might did. be four. Like so, looking through the list, they're like Bianca Rhea. You say Charlotte. You say Alexa. Other than them. Who honestly yeah. would you think have a shot? No, not even like the Baileys of the world or someone like that who's sort of still towards the top of the division. It just yeah. it only felt like one of them. I don't mind with how it ended, but you're right. It was just we've been recapping a lot of these rumbles lately. This was one where there was a lot of entrance where when we have our little rumble pool that we're doing, there were a lot of times where how many times do we say thanks for the donation? Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I'm out. Dead. Yeah. Dead. Yeah. <laughs> That was it, yeah, and and that's kind of what bothered me about it. it was like I I couldn't even watch Alexa Bliss long enough to consider her contender. So for me, there were three people in the throughout the entire Rumble that actually could win it, and that's just that's just not good enough for me, and 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 it leaves me flat. I mean, the end of the match was cool, but again, I don't want to watch a, an hour long match to get a good last four minutes. Yeah, um, Darren said a lot of things that I'm in complete agreement on. The rings filled up a lot. And I'm not even talking with P- 
people who didn't have a chance to win, there were times where there were 10, 12, 14 people in the ring and you were just begging for someone to get a sustained run throwing people out. It was cluttered and it just seemed like it got into a repetition of someone comes in, hits a couple of moves, fades into the background, goes off into the corner to exchange punches or kicks. Next person comes out, repeat. That's not the recipe for success in a successful rumble, women's or men's. It's just not a good formula. You need better pacing than what we saw. I was happy to see Naomi coming back. I liked the way they teased her elimination, and I loved the way she got back into the Royal Rumble. Do you guys understand how much core strength you have to have to do what she did? I mean, my God. There aren't a lot of people in the world that could do that. And that was impressive. I love that. I'm a Liv Morgan fan. I love the Christina Aguilera shout out with her gear. You can go see her social media. It's fantastic. And I'll leave it at that. Um, The last five minutes of this match were really good. If we could have just gotten Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair for an hour, I'd have been thoroughly okay with that. Oh, yeah. I'm happy they used that as a way to launch somebody, whether it was Rhea or Bianca. I think Rhea got far more over just by osmosis and just by being there. As you guys have mentioned, I have no problem with the way it ended. It was just sort of like a Rocky and Bullwinkle type map getting there where everybody goes in circles around the X until they get there. So not a tremendous rumble, nothing I'd go back and rewatch, but as far as setting things up for the road to WrestleMania, trademark, all rights reserved, it was fine, I guess. Let's get to the men's. Um, we had uh, Edge, Randy Orton, Sami Zayn, Mustafa Ali, Jeff Hardy, Dolph Ziggler, Nakamura, Carlito, Xavier Woods, Biggie, John Morrison, Ricochet, Elias, Damian Priest, Miz, Matt Riddle, Daniel Bryan, Kane, Baron Corbin, Otis, Dominic Mysterio, Bobby Lashley, The Hurricane, Christian. AJ, Rey Mysterio, Sheamus, Cesaro, Seth Rollins, and Braun Strowman. So I think I had less. Uh, I was there were I had less issues with the men's rumble overall. There were actually some really cool moments. Uh, I thought in particular. Um, I mean, the first and foremost thing, like holy crap, WWE. Like, how about having faith in Edge? This guy who was gone for a decade comes back. He has a run where he has a couple good matches, but we're not even talking about like being. Wrestling every single night You know on some sort of like a house show tour Or anything like that Just like a few matches He's then injured He comes back And the first time he's back He's going an hour The entire rumble From start to finish And then just to, just to give you a little more We're going to have him wrestle on Monday night In the main event the next night Right afterwards So just I knock on wood And keep my fingers crossed That he can hold up Because that's a lot to ask of somebody Like right off the bat Again after uh you know, after what his body has been through, but he sure looks good physically. He's he was damn impressive. He lasts. He ends up winning. Um, the Edge and Christian stuff was obviously really really cool. Christian looked damn good. So that uh, I'm sure was was a moment that a lot of people enjoyed. The um, Carlito just in f- fantastic shape. Got to give a shout out uh, to him there. There were just a uh, Riddle had a little bit of a good run. The da- the Daniel Bryan Kane Hell No stuff was great. There were to me I think just. Too many DZ of the major contenders that we felt were live that had a, a chance. It felt like their eliminations were just sort of nondescript. And I, I don't mind if if they're eliminated early. It's just 
Make it be to, to start a feud Give me an angle built in around the elimination It just felt like when guys like Even a Nakamura Or a Daniel yep. Bryan or a Big E And some of them went out It was just kind of like oh they're out and that's it It wasn't it, it wasn't a bit it, it, sh- it didn't feel as big as it should have you, you know what it told me And, and maybe um, Maybe I, I gave You know people in WWE too much credit what it told me was that the people in WWE creative or even at the top of the food chain are not in tune with what the general public wrestling fan is speculating about the Royal Rumble. You know, if, I mean, if I were if I were involved in WWE, I would have somebody scouring, you know, forums and social media to see what the WWE fan is thinking, what they're speculating. Who's, you know, favored to win so that when it came to the actual eliminations of the Rumble, I would make certain people more dramatic than others based on what the general public is is speculating about. Nakamura was a guy who had a big promo the other night on SmackDown. His elimination was just nothing. Daniel Bryan was was the favorite in just about every book that you could find out, you know, that you could find in, in the UK. A lot of people here thought he was going to win. His elimination was nothing. Big A's elimination was nothing, like you said. So it kind of showed me that they're a little bit tone deaf to what's going on out there in terms of the of the wrestling fan. Now, it was a it was a fine match. It was it was good. I thought the ending was completely predictable based on what went on earlier with Randy Orton and everything. I mean, we literally said sitting there once we saw that that there was no keith lee daniel bryan went out and uh and nakamura went out and biggie went out i I literally said to my buddies so edge is the last man standing they say edge wins the rumble here comes Orton rko and edge finds a way to win i mean literally said that with like 15 minutes to go in the royal rumble so for me it was a very predictable ending it was it was fine you know b minus type of grade i guess Darren's a little kinder than I am. I hated the stuff they did with Orton. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this, but I'm going to give a shout out to one of my favorite movies. It's a John Wayne Western called El Dorado. There's a gag in there where Robert Mitchum, who plays the sheriff that has to sober up, he can't remember which one of his legs he was supposed to be selling as the hurt one. So he switches the crutch between uh, different, Different scenes, and it's a great little gag if you can spot it. They actually cite it in the closing scene where John Wayne goes, You've been using that thing wrong this whole time under one arm, then the other. That's what Orton was because they were helping him to the back, and at the outset, he was favoring one leg. When he was getting towards the curtain, he was favoring the other leg. And immediately I'm going, Oh God, why? I hate this. I absolutely hate. When they give guys the nap spot, this has happened a couple of different times with guys hiding under the ring, with guys that go out through the it. middle rope. It happened with Vince. They did it with Roman. It's just, I hate it. I, 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 I hate it. It's a crutch. And I circling back there, it's a crutch. Yeah. Now, there were a couple of good moments. There were a couple of moments that I liked. Christian coming back deserved an audience because the crowd would have absolutely popped. And we may have even gotten a five-second pose built into the Rumble. But <laughs> the, the thing that I'll always remember is 
We did the show previewing the Rumble, and Gino was bullish on Seth Rollins potentially coming back. Gino, you were pumped, man. I was. And I was going, eh, the Messiah gimmick really stunk. I, I hope it. if he comes back, he's yeah. doing something completely differently. I don't want to see him if he's going to be the Monday Night Messiah. Well, one of the three numbers I got was number 29, and then we heard the music. And I was going, come on, Seth! Come on, Seth! Come on, Seth! I, I wanted to burn it down so bad, right? Or just just give me that music, anything. But as soon as I saw him as the Messiah, I knew we were in trouble. Like, yeah, I knew, I knew we were was... in trouble. That was, it was unfortunate. I got excited for a moment too. I said, "Oh no!" And then, like, the money went heavy on Seth Rollins that day. In a lot of places, he was getting tons of action. He was down to favorite in some places, like really, really short odds. So, I, it, I thought it was going to happen, but it just wouldn't have. The, the result was fine with Edge, like we yeah. said. There were just, there were just some things getting there. I think Bear, I, I'm, I'm probably right more with DZ and than you, but just overall, like the Rumble is. It was an entertaining show. It was fine. It's just we have been rewatching a lot of the old ones, some really good ones recently. So I think we probably all expected a little bit more when we when we see the rumble and we when we're waiting for the rumble. But again, you know, if if they're gonna have Bianca and Edge in big matches at WrestleMania, I'm fine with that. You guys know what both rumbles really could have used? <laughs> Pat Patterson. Yeah, I mean that's a, that's a great point. You're right. Just a few little tweaks here and there, right? Like a couple of the the cleaning up processes, a few of the eliminations to start a feud moving forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. So um, it is now uh, the road to WrestleMania Royal Rumble 2021 is in the books. You can follow these gentlemen, Darren Zocali and Andrew Champagne, on Twitter at the Track Seven for Darren Zocali, Andrew Champagne at Andrew Champagne, and. Uh, you're going to hear them a lot on That's What G Said podcast. We will take a quick break. Don't go anywhere, though, folks. We will be right back with plenty more. And that will do it for this episode of That's What G Said podcast. Hope you all enjoyed the Royal Rumble over the weekend. Big thanks to Darren and Andrew for helping me recap that event. And later this week, Chad Cooper will join me for This Week in Wrestling, where we talk a little bit about the Rumble. We'll also recap AEW and uh, and just everything going on in the world of wrestling. A big thanks to all of our guests, Andrew, Darren, Tim Kelly, helping us out with WandaVision, Jessica Paquette talking Sam Houston with us, Tyler Herringer from Sarah Candles, Cindy Carava, full-service realtor. We had a ton for you here between the NFL, stable dual stuff, Gulfstream Park for Wednesday, Thursday, Sam Houston, full card for Thursday, WandaVision, Royal Rumble 2021, always going to give you a quantity and a quality of variety unlike any other here on That's What G Said. Have a nice couple days, folks. We'll be back later on this week with plenty of weekend action and that big Super Bowl preview show.